Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Yes, yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we are coming to you live with uh, dripped in the newest of that fucking affirmative merchter shit, man. Give it up to us one time. Give it up to us one time for, uh, you know, getting those shirts out there. Um, we've been seeing pic- uh, pictures come in, people, yeah. you know, taking photos. It's been pretty, it's been pretty insane. I-, I like to just see the reach. And, you know, uh, there was a time, one time I found some shirts that said serial killer on them on Amazon. And yeah. I gave them out to some early listeners yeah. back in the day. And those were the most dry, scratchy, just, you know, cheap shirts. Yeah. And I just thought it was a cool thing to give to people. So it was really cool to be able to give people something that's like a quality, quality merchandise with our logo on it. We've come so far. That's enough of patting ourselves on the back. Fran, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. The shirts are are beautiful, man. I love the shirts. The logo is nice and big on it, so people can see it. You know, when you walk past them, um, give it up to us one time. Yeah, man. I, mean, yeah. I don't. I said we're gonna stop patting ourselves on I'm the sorry. back, but continue. You but know, they please, are great no, shirts, keep though. going. Yeah, they, they are amazing. They feel yeah. comfortable. I'm wearing mine right now. Yeah. Did you sleep in that shirt? Yes. I could tell because the sleeves all rolled and up. And I slept. And I slept through the night. Yeah. <laughs> comfortably. Yeah, they're very very nice shirts. But other than that, man, everything's been good. Um, still a lot of shit going on in the news. Yeah. But um, I'm here. Yeah. Um. Glad to be here, my best friend, to record. I love Absolutely, doing this. Uh, sure, I love man. all the love we've been getting. People hit me up, messaging me on yes. uh, Instagram and Facebook. I uh, just want to shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the people that's been here from day one. Our day ones Absolutely. are still here. I mean, it's, it was rough in the beginning. Yeah, very rough, rough to say the, the least. Yeah, but uh, also shout out to the people that are new that are going through that journey. Yeah, yeah. From from the beginning. Good luck to you. We, yeah. we, please, I, 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 please jump to like one fourteen yeah. or some, just a random. Just jump to something after the first seventy five. Yeah, I mean, for the people that have the new the new listeners that we have that haven't made it this far yet, give them a round of applause, please. Oh man, please! If, you, made, if you've you made, made it here, it. if you made, made it here, if if this it. is the if, you, if you've gone through the whole one hundred <laughs> and however many, and you're now currently here, yeah. congratulations, man, because it's a journey. That first, I mean, at the beginning, man, we were we were literally sharing one microphone. Stacked yeah. on each other's shoulders, and it was uh, it was insane. It was yeah. insane. The quality was rough. Um, you know, we we had to ch- try to figure out our 
motion, our formula of doing this, you know, because we don't come from any kind of radio background or anything no, like that. No. So for us to just stick to it and keep going is that's the key, man. That's the key. If anybody's out there thinking about starting a podcast, it's gonna be bad in yeah. the beginning. You yeah. just but you just got to fight through it and just know that if it's something you really enjoy doing, you know that you'll come back next week and do it again. Don't start a podcast if you're trying to make a million dollars or whatever. It's just not going to work out cuz yeah. you're not. You're not. Yeah. You're not you're not going to make a million dollars. You're you're probably not going to make any money, yeah. you know, but if you like doing it, then it's a chance the money will come. So you just, yeah. th- do it for that reason. Yeah. Don't just go, I think this is, you know, the podcast industry is kind of booming right now. Let me get in on this and try to make some money cuz yeah. you're probably not going to make any money. No. You know, everybody's mad at Joe Rogan cuz he got the bag and it's like you, Joe Rogan didn't take your money. Yeah. Joe, Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan. He didn't yeah. take money out of your. You weren't going to get the money. You weren't going to get a hundred million dollars or whatever he got. So Joe you, Rogan was Joe Rogan before the podcast. Yeah, he didn't money. need to take that deal. He would have yeah. got a hundred million dollars probably podcasting or has already. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's no reason to be mad at Joe Rogan if he if people feel like he's saturated in the market or whatever they think it is. I promise you there's still a lane for independent podcasting, just like there's a lane for independent rappers. Yeah. You know, you you won't make as much money as, you know, uh, Wiz Khalifa, but yeah. you there's money to be made yeah. in independent podcasting. So, you know, yeah, but let that be your secondary focus and putting out quality product be your main. Yeah. And we do our best, even though, you know, like I said, we're not fucking uh, cr- uh, crime scene experts and no. things like that. We're just two dudes who are interested in true crime. So we tell them. In our own way, you know, and, yeah. you know, we might not have all the deep facts and can't get a phone call to a, I don't want to talk to a murderer on the phone. Oh, I don't either. That would tear, that would shake me to my core. Yeah. So you're not going to get that here. But, you know, we, we've able, we've been able to cultivate a thing of our own and I really enjoy doing this. Yeah. Um, anyway, to get to some, some, speaking of true crime news, um, I wanted to just touch on, because this is a true crime podcast and there's been a lot of heavy stuff in the news lately. And this is not, not heavy, but it is true crime related. So I figured, you know, we should definitely touch on it. For anybody who doesn't, who remembers, you know, throughout all the chaos of 2020, there was a lot going on, so people might have forgot. Uh, Lori Vallow was this lady who, back in October, she, her kids were missing, and she got, you know, her husband was killed, her ex-husband was killed by her brother or something of the sort, and then she got remarried to this new guy who was in, um, I think he was like a seven-day, seventh-day Adventist, or one of those weird kind of s- subsects of re- of Christianity, yeah. and, uh, you know, there was some speculations of some cult like shit going on and nobody could find her kids. And, you know, she had court orders to come in and bring her kids to prove that they were OK. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. They're fine. Don't worry about where they are. Well, on June 9th of last week, they went to Chad Daybell, who was her husband, her husband of like a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went to his property with a warrant to search the property. And they found the re- the remains of Chad. Uh, I mean, of uh, Tylee Ryan and. Uh, wait. Yeah, and Chad Daybell. I'm sorry. I, I, what is what is her what is her brother's name? Um, I want to make sure I get his name right because that's disrespectful. Wait, what? Are, wait, what well, is her husband's name? I thought his I thought his name was he Chad. Chad. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So the, there's there's another young son. I do I do remember this story. Um, a little bit. But yeah. Do you remember who raised the red flags of? Where are your where are your children are is it was it school or was it? I, I don't. Th- yeah, I think it was like a a family member. No, no, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, and and and. Then the story just kind of started to grow legs and and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 take on a life of its own. And then people, it became that thing where it, it was like, she kept saying they were okay. So people began to go, okay, well if they're okay, just show us, just bring them, bring them, put them on TV. Yeah, you, you put up an Instagram video. You can't have kids, and then especially if you have some type of close knit family, 
where you have grandparents that come and see the children and they go, you know, where, how are uh, the kids It's the same thing that happened with uh, Casey Anthony. Yeah, but his, just, his name was JJ, yeah. JJ Vallow. But you just Sorry. keep saying, oh, they're fine. Okay, you they take that you're fine like two or three times. Yeah, it's like okay, well where are they? Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. They're fu- they're fine. Yeah. They just they're doing their own thing. They're at their friend's house again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I want to see them. I'm coming over this Friday, and they better be here. Yeah. And it was that. It was one of those kind of things. It just built and built and built. And now we're like almost a year into this thing, and they found the remains of JJ Vallow and uh, Tylee Ryan. That's sad. Um, on the property of Chad Daybell, who was her new husband's um, land. And it was a very much a situation of, I think, a combination of she got wrapped up in this weird cult-like religion and uh, wanted to start a new life with her husband, very much like the Chris Watt situation, yeah. where it's like, uh, well, this these kids are hold, weighing me down. Let's get rid of them, and then we'll start a new thing. Yeah. And, you know, and now we're here. So rest in peace to Tylee and JJ. That's a really tragic uh, Oof, rough. But um, as far as the protests go, um, you know, the coverage on the protests has started to die down because they've become peaceful. But things are going to probably ramp back up because in Atlanta, a couple of nights ago, they killed this guy named Rayshard Brooks yep. in the drive through of a Wendy's. Yep. Uh, I believe the official story is he was drunk or on something and he fell asleep in the drive through. Yeah. Somebody at the Wendy's called the police because people had to drive around uh, Rayshard to get their bacon, you know, bacon, McBaconator or whatever you get from Wendy's. People had to drive around him to get to the voice box thing. And so um, the police were called. They came out. I don't. My confusion is, you know, you can only there's not much video evidence to go off of. But in a time like this, especially, but at any time, it's him being drunk and falling asleep in a drive through. It's like a minor infraction. You know what I mean? Like you knock on the window, you 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 do your sobriety test, mm-hmm. and all of these things did take place. And I guess he failed the sobriety test, and then they went to arrest him. Yeah. Which I'm sure, in my mind, he goes to a drunk tank, whatever, whatever. But Rashard Rashard didn't want to go to the drunk tank. Yeah. So a scuffle ensued, and this is this is all my speculation. I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on in Rashard's mind, but I do know he's probably pretty drunk. And then all of a sudden, he's being handled by police in a time like this and whatever. I don't understand how two police officers can't subdue a person. I don't care how big a person is, whatever. Like, I feel like a police officer should be trained. One officer should be able to handle one person, but maybe not. I understand. It's a I don't think he job. was on like speed or anything. That's what I mean. I mean, <laughs> if anything, he was a drunk dude. I mean, yeah. I don't understand how it led to this scuffle where there's two police officers there. He gets a hold of their taser and is running with the taser because they tried to tase him. Yeah. One of them tased him and it didn't work or something. And yeah. then he got a hold of the other guy's taser. So then he and then he gets loose and then he runs. And then as he's running, he turns back and, and, and shoots the taser at the police officer. And so the other police officer shoots him. And, you know, none of that is OK. What this man was doing. I don't I don't know what was going through his mind, but to shoot somebody who's fleeing with a taser gun is a little bit of overkill because I think what's lost on police, you know, and this is me speaking, I'm not a police officer. Wait, I don't know what these. Wait, you say you think it's overkill to shoot him with a taser? They shot him with a gun. You said a taser. He shot them. He had the taser and he's running and then he oh, like I turned you, back okay. and like I shot them. saying, oh, it was overkill for him to shoot, them with, shoot him with the taser. No, no. Oh, okay. They should have. If, if, if you can't subdue a person, I'm, I'm whatever legal method or whatever, you know, um, non lethal methods you have. Yeah. 
I, you know, I, if you're if you're resisting arrest, then they got to they got to hit you with the taser or whatever. Yeah. But to shoot a person in their back while they're running and all they have is they shouldn't have your taser. Right. Yeah. But I think what's lost in policing these days is sometimes people get away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially for like his cars in the drive through. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to catch him. Regroup. Get the rest of the boys together. Yeah. And just go detain him and kick his ass or whatever fucked up shit you're going to do to him. But he didn't have to die that night because he f- was drunk in a drive through. Is there not uh, some type of procedure where you should police should? Uh, We're not. Le- I think you're not legally allowed. But again, it's these rules that you can't implement them in the field. But I don't think you're allowed to shoot a person in the back. Not shoot somebody. Officer. But why? Why isn't if if they are going to use that that tactic? Why isn't like it should you shouldn't shoot somebody more than once? Uh huh. And why isn't why isn't it below the waist? Like why isn't a leg or something like that? That's an interesting. I mean, I I I, I talked to you last week about how like little training a lot of these police officers have. Yeah. So I don't even know if they are, they're aiming for what they know they can hit. Which is, in, which my, is, in, is, in my mind. Yeah, it's and, like, I can't shoot, I can't hit somebody in the knee. And that's what you're trained for when you shoot, when you're at target practice. Just that's what you're supposed body. to be. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is the biggest, the chest yeah. and the back and all of that. That's the biggest place to hit. Yeah. But somebody could still, you know, you could shoot somebody in the leg and you hit their femoral artery and they bleed out and they die. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The chances are different. Yes. The, you have less of a chance, yeah. you know, but, um, I just I I just don't see no use for you shooting somebody three times, more than three times, if anything. Yeah. Well, I think that it's it's not it's, like it's, it's a, not a rock. It's bullets. Yes. <laughs> it's it's it one one will get the job done. But again, like I said, they they when they they're trained to shoot until the like when you go shoot your gun. In my mind, as a police officer, from things I've read and things and, and you know just accounts of police officers, yeah. it's like you shoot until the situation is. The threat is is done. So once you've gotten to the point where you decide it? to shoot your gun, it's like they need to go down. But you need to identify the threat. What is the threat though? That's what I mean. It's yeah. like it's like this is a drunk person at a at a Wendy's. Yeah. If he gets away, he's drunk running into some bushes. You'll get him. All you need is the stick. The 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 taser and the stick. Yeah. That's fine. And you and you just get back in your police car, lock his car, yeah. take his keys, and go get him. Yeah. But I think they're like, I think in a, a police officer, especially things are tense right now. I would not want to be a police officer right now. It, it, it's a no-lose situation, yeah. but that was absolutely the worst time to to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when things are so tense right now and you get the full story of this dude was drunk at a Wendy's and it's just such a, anybody could be in that situation, yeah. you know. Now, the situation is escalated when it's when you don't want to go to the drunk you tank resist. or whatever, you yeah. know, yes, that's it's escalated. But you're that you have to go back to what is what are we here for? A guy was drunk at a Wendy's. It's an escalation. Kick his ass or whatever you do. Put the cuffs on him and throw him in the in, in the minivan and, and take him to the to, to the drunk tank or charge him with resist whatever you're gonna do. But to be the judge, jury, and executioner in a Wendy's parking lot is insane to me. Especially you know? if, he, if he's already under the influence. Yeah, you, you should already go in. Being a police, I mean, I don't know. This is all speculation. That's what I'm, that's what I mean. We can't. Go I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna call this a race thing. I'm not gonna call this a. I don't, you know, we don't know anything about any of that. This was just, to me, an improper uh, way to handle the situation. Yeah. To me. And I could be wrong. I'm not a police officer. But to me, it seems like somebody's drunk. You get into a little bit of a scuffle. The taser doesn't work. He gets a hold of your taser somehow. I don't even know how that happens. And in this mix of all this, yeah. it's decided now. It's now decided, well, this guy's too much of a criminal to be alive anymore. Well, you, should, you should already have the idea of- Going into the situation, like this guy's out of his, he's out, he's drunk. Even if it was somebody that was 
on drugs uh-huh. or drunk. You go into the situation saying, okay, well, this person is under the influence. Yes. Might be out of his mind. We need to. Well, that's the whole. Yeah. That's the whole argument around defund the police. Yeah. And I also want to say to people in general of any color who are trying to be allies or want to be advocates for you know police reform, you need to get your message clear because if you're talking about um, ending the police, me, I can't speak for you, but me and a ton of other people are like, no, that's a really stupid idea. Yeah. You should come up with something that makes more sense. Now, what makes sense to me is training people. And knowing, sending the right person to the situation, because every situation doesn't require somebody with a gun, like a person who's under the influence. You just send you just send a person who's trained in apprehending a person, you know, de-escalating the situation and have somebody on standby who if that person has a weapon, now we know how to handle that. Or if it's a domestic violence situation, you, you might not need a dude with a gun to show up. You need somebody who's trained in domestic violence de-escalation. Every situation doesn't require a dude with a gun, you know. But if you're just talking about abolishing the police, like it's just over with. That's ridiculous. I think that's a really stupid idea, especially coming from where I live. Yeah. You know, they just opened up Fells Point this weekend, pretty much. And they had a block party and four people got shot. Yeah. You know, so that shit just doesn't end uh, because the police don't exist anymore. That police didn't have anything to do with that. Yeah. So in a situation like that, a person with a gun is shooting people in a crowd. You need somebody with a gun to show up. Yeah. And I'm not an advocate for like everybody should just have a gun. And people and you lose jobs too. People lose jobs and people die. People yeah, lose a lot of things. You know? Yeah. Like Wild, Wild West out here. Yeah. So um I'm not a I'm not a fan of, you know, Is well, that an option or was it just like an idea thrown out there? Abolishing the police? Yeah. Well, it's that's what I mean. The defund the police is like th- that's a fight within itself. There are people who are saying, no, we don't want police at all. Which, crazy. again, I think that's stupid. That's not. I, I would love to have a conversation with somebody who th- can make sense of it, because I think the argument is let people police their own neighborhoods. What? And it's like, OK, well, if, if there's still drugs and, and, and guns being infested into these neighborhoods, who the fuck is a, a what the fuck is a neighborhood watch going to do? Yeah. You know, uh, you I know, did see that point on Twitter because somebody said that it would be. I can't remember the wording they put, but it was just like it's it would be more to stealing your way or something like that than working your way to get something. It's just easier for you to just go and steal something. If it was yeah. your police, uh huh. You just go out and you go out and steal shit. Yeah. Instead of you working hard to get something that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Within the community of any culture, black, Mexican, white, whatever, there are people who respect the rules and there are people who don't respect the rules. So if my grandmother told me not to go off the porch after five o'clock, then I'm not gonna go off the porch after five o'clock. My cousin, on the other hand, didn't listen to my grandmother, didn't listen to anybody. Mm -hmm. So what is a neighborhood coalition of people, of grandmothers and people, whatever, dads or whoever, put together to be like, hey, man, on this block, we don't sell drugs. Then a person like my cousin would be like, who the fuck are you? I don't give a fuck what you're talking. There will be people who will listen and want to have a community and plant trees and get the graffiti. I understand all that. But there's always going to be an element of people who don't give a fuck about these things that you're talking about. And you need a there needs to be somebody to bring that. You can't just like, oh, there's no more jails and none of that exists anymore. Everybody just needs to be accountable for everybody. People don't give a fuck with police now. So what makes <laughs> you think it's going to be any better without police? I'm going to listen to your dad. Yeah. Like your dad's going to come tell me to stop selling drugs on this corner. I don't listen to the police. Yeah. <laughs> so why would Mr. Mike make me change my mind yeah. about, you know what I mean? So. I don't know. I, like I said, I'm open to having a conversation with anybody who 
thinks that that makes sense and can make I'm always open to my mind being changed. I'm all for defunding the police and opening up school after school programs and, and, and giving kids uh, um, just different outlets to do something other than be out on the street corners. But if you're just talking about just the police don't exist anymore. I think that's a stupid idea. Yeah. And like I said, I'm open to it being changed, my mind being changed. But as of right now, I just think that's a stupid idea. There's 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 a need. Even if we change the definition of what a police officer is and their job, there's always going to be a need for somebody to show up and contain the situation. If you're looking for missing children, if you're trying to look for somebody who's a, a murderer, a serial, who's going to find the serial Have killer? Have a different department or something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would think for a serial killer... A detective is what is what is necessary. Somebody who's yeah. more trained in forensics and, and can see things differently than the average beat cop. So if we're talking about getting rid of beat cops or just re- just changing the whole system. I understand that. But just saying, yeah, and then we hope to get to a point where it's just no police anymore. No. As I don't think that that's a that's a pipe dream. That's you, just not going to happen. Use that money to for more intense training. That too. Like. I don't that see too. That. I think that a better fleet of police officers. I think if you. I think if if a if a more trained police officer was at Rayshard Brooks at that Wendy's that night, he beats the shit out of Rayshard Brooks, yeah. puts him in handcuffs, and throws him in the truck. I don't know if that's good, but he'd still be alive. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, Rayshard Brooks put himself in a situation where he was resisting arrest. Yeah. But if one person was trained enough to go, oh, I know jujitsu. Boom, boom, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. I fold him up. Put put his handcuff his ankle to his wrist. Throw him in, the, you know. People are filming. Fuck you, pig. What? Up? Yeah, all right, okay, cool. But he's alive. Yeah. You know, in that situation, there was two dudes there who couldn't handle one person, and so they decided the shit got so out of hand that they murdered him. So yeah, maybe if there were better, a better, if there were a better trained police officer on the scene, that was like, oh, okay, oh, you want to scuffle and just boom, 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 boom. I'm not again. I'm not saying this is right. Yeah. But he'd still be alive. Yeah. Maybe he's suing he as a cop. Fine. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You you signed up for a difficult job, yeah. man. You know, so you can't just go. Oh shit, he being he's too squirrely. Yeah, just end him. You know what I mean? Like I think that's that's got to be such a hard thing to. I think that also a part that's not discussed about with these cops because there's like no em- empathy for cops these days is I don't think anybody wants to kill anybody. No, I don't think anybody that wakes up and gets up in the morning and puts on their badge or whatever. There's probably some. Yeah, because yeah, it's a job that probably lit. Le- leads itself to being uh, desirable for somebody who is like a sociopath and mm-hmm. might have, you know, some things like that. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to wake up and like murder somebody. So I think that guy's probably going through something. He fucking, you know, dumped three bullets into a body and that person's dead. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to, to deal with. And there's other police officers who are do that and they're in justified shootings where the person had a weapon or whatever. And they just go back to work the next day. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's the job of a police officer is a very difficult job. So I want to make it clear as I know it's all like all cops are bastards and fuck the police and all this shit right now. But like, that's a tough job, man, because everybody's not just some black unarmed teenager who wasn't doing anything wrong. Sometimes you show up to the scene and a motherfucker has a gun. Yeah. And it's a a real situation and they don't want to go to jail and you're trying to do that. Yeah. And you might get shot or shot at. And that's 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 a that can be a work day for you at any point of the week. Yeah. You just show up and it's like, oh, they have an assault we- weapon and they're shooting at my car and I have to take cover or my partner got killed or whatever. Yeah. It's not an easy job. So I would never want to be behind this mic being like, well, why don't you just shoot them in the foot? You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know what it's like to be in the pressure. And then you see they have the taser. I don't know. But I just know if you if those people were better trained to get that person down to the ground and handcuff them, then he'd still be alive. 
It's different now, man. People, I mean, people are scared. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like I'm a rock. I saw a video of a, a lady police officer, a white lady police officer. She, like, saw a kid and her mom walking in the park, and the kid, I guess the kid put her hands up when the police officer car rolled by, and she was like... What a shame what the media is doing. Let me go tell this kid everything's okay. And she got out that car to try to be like, hey, we're off. We're all not bad people. And this, when I tell you this little girl was terrified of this woman, you know what I mean? That, sh- that made me sad for the little girl and for that lady. Because, yeah. I mean, it's like she got this job to be whatever. She Maybe her dad's a cop, whatever. I don't know her life. I'm not just going to assume she's racist because she's a police officer or whatever. I think that's foolish logic. And and then you're you're sitting here and all your life as a kid, you're like, oh, man, police officers, they yeah. save people. And yeah. I want to be that when I grow up. And then you're sitting in front of a kid and they're terrified of you. Yeah. You go, oh, my God, like I th- this isn't what I thought this job was. Yeah. You know, you go home, you sit on that. She was crying. A little girl was crying. You know, it just it's a rough time. It's a rough time. man. I, I don't I don't really know what the solution is, but I don't think it's that the just cops don't exist anymore. You yeah. know, I don't I, you know, but. It's it's not going to get solved in a day or a week or a month or a year even. No, it might never get solved. But I hope that the conversation keeps going. I hope that this doesn't just continue. This isn't a trend. And then we're like, all right, well, we all talked about it, so let's move on. Moving on, yeah. you know. So we'll see what happens. On a lighter note, though, before we go to a break, I want to give a shout out, man. Look, man, shout out to uh, NASCAR. Okay, um, they decided. For whatever reason, I don't know if LeBron James said something that got really spoke to them, but they decided that they were no longer going to allow Confederate flags to be waved at their events. Yeah, which, I think it was a uh, what's his name? I don't think he said anything, but he had some Bubba Watts or something. His name is is he like big in the NASCAR? NASCAR? He's a black uh, NASCAR driver, but is he good? And then he, I think he, his name's pretty known. Okay. I think he stood up and he had his I can't breathe shirt on and all okay. kinds of stuff. Well, that's the same thing that happened with the NFL because I think his name is Bubba Watts. Okay. I feel like Bubba Watts is a golfer, but I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, um, it's the same thing that happened with the NFL. It, you know, when Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL and he's half black and he's, you know, saying this isn't okay, then the NFL, you you can shut up, uh, you know, uh, Jameis Winston or something. You can you can shut those people up. You you can you can shut up Colin Kaepernick because quote unquote his 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 skill level has dropped and that's why he can't get a job. But Patrick, I'm Mahomes, sorry, his name is Bubba Wallace. Bubba, Bubba Wallace, Wallace is the golfer. Well, yeah, Bubba, Bubba, yeah, yeah, Bubba I Wallace. Was close. Okay, so Bubba Wallace is black. Yes. Okay, that's two. That's that's two checks on. He's the on, only black NASCAR driver. That's two checks on NASCAR, man. So I don't know. I might have to give me a NASCAR jacket. Anyway, um, yeah, he's he spoke up, and I'm shocked because I don't think a lot. I think the percentage of black people that watch NASCAR is probably extremely low, a point like a fraction of a percentage. <laughs> um, but now that I know Bubba Watson, Wallace. Bubba, Bubba Watts, Bubba Wallace, yeah. Bubba Wallace. Yeah. Now that I know Bubba Wallace is a black NASCAR driver, yeah. and NASCAR is like, "Hey, man, keep that Confederate shit up out of here." It makes me go, "Maybe I'll try to watch this." Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't he said know. it, but I think he was the only black guy that was there with his right. "I can't breathe" shirt on and mask, and right. was making a stand. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Either way. Um, shout out to NASCAR, man. I think that's a yeah. big move. I don't know if this like spikes your black audience of of uh, listenership. I mean, viewership of NASCAR because I still it's the most boring thing ever to me. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'll fight that urge to be bored by it because I know they are trying to be you know progressive and change their old ways. Yeah. I just don't get their Confederate flag. I'm not going to go there with my thoughts on it, but I just I don't get it. 
I don't get it either. Your grandfather is a loser. He lost a war. <laughs> he yeah. lo- they he lost. lost. He lost, bro. Get over <laughs> I don't it, bro. Understand that, man. Can you can you imagine me walking around like who lost the Super Bowl last year? And I'm like, well, they should have won. And I got the the Super Bowl champ. You're like an you, idiot. You know how they print out? They always send them to third world countries, yeah, but yeah, they yeah. print out both teams. Yeah. The Super Bowl champ. Imagine me walking around with the Super Bowl champion jersey of the team that lost. Yeah. And being like, well, next year. They should have won this year. Yo, your granddad lost, your uncle lost, whoever your relative was that was in that war. They lost, bro. Lost. Get over it. Do you know that the, the Confederate War didn't even last as long as like a presidential? T- there's there's things that have happened in life that are bigger deals yeah. than how long the Civil War was. Yeah. And they want you to remember that forever. Yeah. But they I just lose. They gave up. Yeah, <laughs> come on, man. Imagine, imagine LeBron, LeBron being down three one in that in 2016 finals and just being like, man, this shit is hard, yeah. man. Just fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man, bro. I'm sorry, it, bro. Man. Your grandfather's a loser, I bro. I mean, no disrespect, <laughs> but like, he lost, bro. Get over it. Grow up. The South it, will rise again. Grow up, bro. You lost. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shout out to NASCAR, man. Uh, this is Roddy hey, Rich. This is Roddy Rich NASCAR. We're gonna take a quick break. This, this is gonna be the. New, this is officially the new anthem of NASCAR racing. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. And we are back. Uh, Fran, it's my turn to go first this week. So before I jump into my story, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Lanisa and Danielle, uh, also known as the comedy sketch duo Hashtag Booked. They gave us a wonderful shout out on a, a recent Instagram live that I think will eventually turn into a podcast this week. And um, they are very hilarious. And that was really cool to just see people supporting people. And um, I would love to, you know, support them in any kind of way if the podcast comes up. Play their, play their, not that they need it. They're, you know, amazing. Um, Lanisa is actually the voice of one of the Call of Duty characters. Oh, really? One to get like, there's a black woman. Yeah. Who's one of the Warzone characters. Yeah. And she's, she's the voiceover for the person. That's dope. Yeah. So, um, shout out to them again. Hashtag book, hilarious sketches on their Instagram. And Lanisa and Danielle individually are both very funny. So I just wanted to do that really quick before I jump into my story. Fran, uh, my affirmative murder this week, um, in honor of Pride Month and, you know, just trying to broaden my spectrum and understand the world a little bit different. And also, uh, just unfortunately, unfortunately, this past week, Donald Trump decided his administration decided to roll back protections on um, trans people within the medical field. They, you know, um, I don't know if this I don't I don't I'm not a, a, a trans person, so I don't know if this was more of a symbolic 
um, bill slash law or whatever, or if it really is a noticeable protection. But basically, Obama um, passed a, um, a, a, like a civil rights type of bill back when he was in administration that protected um, trans people from being discriminated against within the medical field. Yeah. And Donald Trump was like, I get that out of here. That's, that doesn't mean anything. So they're no longer, they no longer can be not discriminated against, okay. which I don't know how often that happens. I don't know how often a doctor would go, Oh, you're a trans person. Well, I don't want to help you. Yeah. Maybe they don't say it out loud. Maybe it's just something within their head that they don't, I don't know how often it happens, but why even attack that community like that at a time like this? During the month of, of 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 gay pride. Oh, going. You mean as like how much, if, I'm a, if, I'm, if I'm a trans person, even if I if I'm sick. Okay. From anything. I thought not, you meant like a job or something. No, no, no. Okay. Just I'm I'm sick and I want to get medical attention. Yeah. And maybe they don't outright say we don't serve, we don't help trans people, but That's maybe crazy. the doctor goes, oh, I don't really agree with their lifestyle, so I'm I'm gonna give them like the B grade help. Jeez. And you can't prove that, but why take off a. Why, why take why why make it to where if that is the case you can't sue them or they get their lose their job or something you so know he just got rid of it he got rid of that protection but what was it why no I mean like what's the difference between him taking it away and then him having it well I don't know again I'm not trying I don't know how often it happens that right. or it, again it could be a, a thing where you know how they're saying you always playing the race card with black people where you go yeah. oh I didn't get that job because um they're racist yeah that somebody could go oh they didn't give me the proper medical attention. Because I'm trans, but you, okay. you can't prove it. But if, if you are able to prove it, it is now, it now doesn't matter. Yeah. He took away, he took away. that you can, that you can discriminate somebody based on, you know, their sexual orientation of being trans. So he took that away. So now, even if you do prove it, it's like, well, I mean, what are you going to, what are you going to do? Yeah. It doesn't matter. So, um, in honor of, uh, trans people and, and, and pride month and everything like that, I decided to do a story of, uh, Brandon Tina who was a trans person um, who uh, had a horrific end to their life. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> so Tina Renee Brandon was born female in Lincoln, Nebraska, on December 12th, 1972, to Joanne Brandon. The youngest of two children, Tina's childhood was marked by difficulty. His mother, Joanne, was only 16 years old and recently widowed when, she was, when he was born. His father, Patrick, had been killed in a car accident prior to Tina's birth. Joanne remarried for a short time, but got divorced when Tina was eight years old. And she struggled raising two kids on a retail sales clerk salary. In addition, both Tina and his sister, Tammy, were sexually molested by a male relative during their childhood. Despite these difficulties... Tina was a full-of-life tomboy who enjoyed sports, including base, including basketball, football, and weightlifting, and kept a boyish appearance with short hair. He and his sister attended a religious private school in Lincoln, but Tina had difficulties with the school's strict rules. In his sophomore year, he moved away from home to live with a girlfriend. Tracy Beals uh, was her name, and they began exploring and they, be, they began exploring their uh, burgeoning sexuality. But Beals was quickly reportedly abusive, and Tina quickly landed back at his mom's house. Mm. So he went off, go do his own thing. I'm, yeah. I'm out of here. I'm going to move with my girlfriend. They had a domestic violence type situation, and then he had to go and go back home to live with his mom. By his senior year, Tina was self-identifying as a man and dating girls, sometimes introducing himself as Billy Brinson, 
and later as Brandon. Tina had transformed himself from a socially awkward teen into an outgoing class clown. However, his mother was not supportive of his transition and, he ref and, re and she refused to accept his male identity. Continuing to refer to Tina as her daughter, uh, um, when 18-year-old Tina lost interest in academics and attempted to join the U.S. Army, but failed to pass the written exam. Toward the end of his senior year, this shit, uh, this, this made me mad just from a, you got that close thing. So listen to this. So, so this, he started having some issues in school, tried to join the Army, but failed to pass the written exam. And then toward the end of his senior year, began missing school and failing his classes. He was expelled three days prior to graduation in June of 1991. Why? It's like you got just acting out or ac accumulation. Expelled? Expelled. Before Damn. graduation. So I would assume that means didn't get their certificate and, and, and flunked. But it's yeah, like, you kicked out of school. But it's like you got this far. You know what I mean? Like why dro drop out in the 10th grade. Get a, you Stop going to school. To get to three days before graduation and you're still like going to school. What was he doing for, for them to skip? Suspended. Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> damn. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Went straight to expelled. Three days, but three days before you just grad. It's just you made it this far. Yeah, man. It's waste. Yeah, man. It's just come on, man. Just th three more days. You made it to your senior year, even. Just if if I make it to my senior year, I feel like I'm just gonna suck it up and just if I haven't quit by now, one year. What's this? One year. Yeah. Anyway, described as the ideal man who was perfectly who was the perfect balance of rugged cowboy and athletic jock with uh with a Kennedy-like jawline, Tina had a handful of romances. Kennedy-like jawline. Yeah, I guess, you know, the Kennedy family, I guess they think those they're handsome or sure. something, I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, John F Kennedy was out here getting it in, so watch your mouth. Yeah, man. I was just uh, just threw off about that. The jawline? Yeah, the jawline. Oh, white people love a good jawline. Yeah. That's their thing. Okay. You know, but black people have beards a lot of times, so you know, a jawline isn't as much of a thing, but a nice strong jawline. That's how the the Hemsworth brothers, like the dude that plays Thor. Yeah. Strong jawline. Chris Evans, Captain America. Yeah. Strong jawline. Yeah. Think a weak jaw, like like no jawline is like a sign of not being masculine in, in society. Really? I I don't know. So I guess a Kennedy-like jawline's up there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a good thing to have one of those. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, but with a lack of support from loved ones and trepidation about his own gender and sexuality, he was also severely depressed. Following a suicide attempt, he spent a few days in the Lancaster County Crisis Center where a psychiatrist determined that he was suffering from a gender identity crisis and personality disorder. This also trudged up memories of his childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Upon his release, Tina began attending therapy sessions, but abruptly stopped, which, you know, that's not good, you know, because yeah. then you then you open up all those old wounds, but you don't follow through with the process. Yeah. So now you're all fucked up. You know, uh, Tina never got the help uh, he needed because he quickly began engaging in compulsive behavior, forging checks and stealing credit cards, mm. mostly to buy gifts for his girlfriends. Wow. Yeah. In 1993. He faced. Um, in 1993, faced with multiple warrants for theft and forgery, Tina left his hometown and headed to a place where nobody knew he was biologically female. Just before his 21st birthday, Tina arrived in Humboldt, Nebraska, where he sought a fresh start in a community where he could solely identify as a man. 
He quickly fell in with a new group of associates, including John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Neeson. He also began dating 19-year-old Lena Tisdale. But money was still an issue, and Tina began forging checks again. Yeah, man, I guess. For his girlfriend, huh? You got to get those gifts, man. Guess we all been there, huh? Yeah, man, when you got those million-dollar tastes, but you, you know, it was like, you got, you got, you got, you got million-dollar tastes, but, you know, like a, you know, a McDonald's budget. Yeah. You know, something like that. I don't know. I don't know if there's a proper phrase for it, but. Yeah. My baby, my baby deserves the best. I'm not gonna not get her the best because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. I spoil my baby. Yeah, didn't you do that? Force checks? Did I force checks? Yeah. I wouldn't say forgery is a big accusation. Okay. But at a job that I had, they just kind of put the checks in envelopes out on the table. Yeah. And who says you can't just deposit a check? That doesn't have your name but on it. Have turns out the bank says that. Yeah. It so turns out that the, it turns out that the bank says that. Yeah. Um so that's forging a check. I don't like those kinds of terms. Yeah. But, but that's what my doing. record I technically it says that on there. Yeah. But I don't, that's what I don't, you were doing. I don't think that's what it should be qualified as, though. Okay. But that's up, you know, the court or whatever. Who are these the, who is to say we need to live in the confines of these things that people that lived here before we did say what a forgery is? I don't follow those kind of laws and things like that. I think yeah. that that's outdated. Yeah. That's not the word we live Money in. is money. You know, if I find if I find a hundred dollars cash on the ground, yeah. Am I forging the money? I found it. But do you have to put a signature on it to deposit it? Okay, man. You're getting into right. semantics and stuff like that. Because <laughs> that's the rules. That's the laws. That's how things I'm not, work. I'm not here to play those kind of games. Right. Um, so, um, so now, Tina, uh, Brandon Tina has now moved to Humboldt, Nebraska. He's got a new life, got a new girlfriend, got a couple of, you know, some new partners that he hangs out with in Nebraska. Yeah. Doing couple of forged checks in his pocket? Couple of forced checks in his pocket to, yeah. just to get by. Mm-hmm. You know, not trying to hurt anybody. To it's buy th- gifts. To buy whatever he needs to get by. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so he began forging checks again. On December 19th, 1993, Tina was arrested. When 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 Tisdale showed up to pay his bail... Much to her surprise, she found Brandon housed in the female section of the jail. Mm. This was Tisdale's first awareness that Tina was transgender. Wait, uh, Tisdale is the... The girlfriend. The girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Lena Tisdale. So she didn't... Didn't know. know. Okay. I don't know how that works. I don't know what types of apparatuses Brandon uses. Maybe they haven't gotten to that point yet. He did just get into town. It hadn't come up yet. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, But she, this was... She's like, wait... Why are you in the um, girl's side? Yeah. And so they had a conversation. Uh, so, yes, yeah, this was the first time she was aware that Tina was transgender. Tina tried to explain to her that he was intersex, although no evidence supports this claim. Now, I learned a lot doing this story. Okay. Uh, intersex. I, I don't inter- know what that means. And I'm going to try to tell you the best way that I can okay. from what I learned to today and over the weekend. I don't know everything, so a lot of this is probably going to be wrong. Cool. So, to me... Before I did this story, mm-hmm. I thought transgender was like um, body dysmorphia. I thought yep. it was like having bulimia, whereas you, in your mind, you are convinced yet that you are the opposite sex that you are presenting yourself to be. Yeah. I thought it was a, a, a mental situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is. I don't know. Um, please let me know if you're trans and you're listening to this and inform me. And what does trans come from? The root word of transitioning? 
Ooh, that's a hard. I don't know, man. Oh, you went to okay, some spelling shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, tra- I just, I uh, that makes that sense. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah sure. You're transitioning from yeah. a, a to B or whatever. Yes, we'll okay. go with that. But I don't know. I don't know. But that's what I'm asking. We're having a I conversation. Don't... We're we're throwing ideas yeah. around. Maybe that is trans. Yes, the root word or whatever. Yeah. You just yeah. Okay. I just um, sounds smart. Intersex. Mm-hmm. Intersex is a physical condition. Okay. Where I think that um uh the. I don't know if a her, being a hermaphrodite is is intersex. Yeah, but can you use that term? I don't know. That's why I'm using the word intersex. I don't think you can. I only know, but I'm I'm ignorant. Yeah, I don't know. Me either. I only I know hermaphrodite as being a thing that is you have both gen, genitals. That's what I grew up being hearing that that's what that was. It was a joke. I guess I don't know. Uh, intersex is uh, you can be born with XY chromosome, XX chromosome. X X Y chromosome now X Y is a boy yeah constraint you know yeah. X X is a girl constraint of, yeah. of being that that sex biologically mm-hmm. now you can be born X Y and have ovaries you can okay. be born X X and have gonads okay um there are people who have this um condition called A I S which is uh it blocks testosterone. Like it, your body is a is it like fights off testosterone. So mm-hmm. you could be born XY, mm-hmm. have testicles within you that haven't dropped yet, and never and never have it, your your body converts the testosterone into estrogen. Mm-hmm. So now you have testicles, uh, um, you have the body of a of a of a boy. Yeah. But you your body is producing estrogen, so then you develop breasts and wide hips and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So Trent. Now that's not trans. Transgender isn't intersex. Yeah, but it intersex is a thing. You can you can physically be in the wrong body. You know, there just is things that within your development, within being you know cooked in the in your mom. Yeah, you know, you can get a little bit of this from a boy and a little bit of this from a girl. Yeah. So now transgender, I I I do believe is is more of a a mental dysphoria type of situation, yeah. but I never knew what intersex was where you there's, there are mutilations happening within now. And I think that the statistics on intersex is there are about as, there are close to as many intersex people as there are redheads. Okay. It's like 0.5% to 1.7% of the population is intersex. Yeah. Now for me to not know that that existed uh, as of a couple of days ago to now being like, well, you see redheads pretty often. So there are people who, have inter- who are intersex who their parents had to make a decision where they go, okay, well, their clitoris is kind of long, like a penis. We're, we're going to mutilate their genitalia to make them fit more into the box of being a female. Oh, okay. And then, then they grow up and, and not being told this information, they grow up and they go, I know that you guys are saying I'm a boy, but I don't really, I've, I've, I feel like a girl yeah. or vice versa, you know, but this is a real thing. But and yet, you know, they want to come at Dwayne Wade's kid and all these kind of things. These are real. Con- these are real conditions. Yeah. These aren't just uh, flippant thoughts. That is extremely complicated. It's now imagine, but imagine being the person. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's complicated. Yeah. To me. I didn't even. I don't even. I would give myself maybe a C minus to a D for explaining that to you. Yeah. Imagine being the person that you're going through. Yeah. I I, I want to give a shout out to. I watched the YouTube channel. This lady. I mean, this young man called. Their name was Pigeon. I don't know what they identify as, but their name was Pigeon, and they are intersex. And they were saying that they 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 got surgery at six months old because okay. the doctor said they have gonads within them. Yeah, but th- this is a girl. Yeah, but they have gonads within them. The gonads can become cancer possibly as they get older. We should go in and take, take the gonads out. Gotcha. So they go, okay, we agree. 
Then at four years old, the doctor goes, hey, um, their clitoris is kind of long and we don't want them to grow up and feel self-conscious and be weirded out. And we don't want you guys to be bad parents and do the wrong thing. So we think we should just cut off their clitoris. Okay. And the parent, her, his, their parents agreed okay. to do this. And then they grow up and they're like, you know, cut up and mutilated and all these kind of things and identifying as this. And I, and, but you know, their parents tried to put them in a box. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm I'm, I'm learning of the choice that they made because of the choice that they made because yeah. the doctor said that this is a girl. Yeah. But it's more complicated than that. And I and I, I learned over the weekend that gender really is more fluid than we think that it is. And, and, and it really can physically be fluid where we don't you can't just put this person in a box. That so is he a girl a, or a boy? Is he identified as a man? Don't know. Oh, he didn't say I really I really don't know. Oh, OK. Their, their name is Pigeon. And um, wait, did you see the video? Is the video? Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't like, hi, guys. I'm a girl or oh. I'm a boy. They are XY chromosomed, but they have this symptom. So they can't, they can't, they can't pick a side. Essentially. They can't, they, there is no side to pick. That's what I mean. Yeah. Their body doesn't produce, their body is supposed to be producing testosterone, Yeah, but it blocks that and turns it into estrogen. Yeah. But I would assume if I had to guess based on how they're presenting themselves, I would say that they identify as a, as a man. Okay. But I, I don't know. Right. So I don't right. want to speak out of turn. Yeah. Uh, that was the best I could do to describe okay. intersex. And that's what Brandon Tina said that he was, even though there's no evidence that he was intersex and not trans. But imagine explaining that to somebody that you were dating and they go, imagine explaining you? that to somebody that you were dating in 1991. And they're like, what the, f- what are you yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. You're gay. Yeah. You're a lesbian or yeah. so, you know what I mean? It, where it's like, no, it's, it's more complicated. Than that. No, yeah. it's not. You should have told me that you were a lesbian. Yeah. I'm not into lesbians. I like guys. Yeah. And you're like, but I am, I am a guy. That's emotionally draining. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A- absolutely. And it doesn't help when society is telling you, like, no, you're crazy and shut up. Especially in the '90s. Especially in the <laughs> '90s. Especially in the '90s. Yeah. Um. So anyway, they went. Um. Um. Uh. Brandon went through all of that, you know, in in the jail and everything like that, and but uh, they, uh, uh Lena, I mean, uh. Uh, Lena, yeah, Lena Tisdale did bail him out. Okay. Um, and t- t- once he once he got out, despite his attempt to identify as a man in this new town, you know, he moved where he could just be himself and not have to worry about people knowing him from when he was a child and c- still calling him Tina and all these yeah. things. Now everybody knows okay. that he was born a woman because they put it on the newspaper and all these kind of things. On the newspaper. Yeah, everybody in the town found out that Tina was biologically female when his arrest details were published in the local newspaper. Was Along, this a small town? Yeah, I mean it's it's Nebraska and it's like a town in Nebraska. So I mean <laughs> I that's a, have been that's about exactly <laughs> who uh, who has you know. So it's a not only is it Nebraska, it's a little town in Nebraska. Yeah. So it's about as it's about as small town as you can get. This was a big deal. Yeah, it's like especially you know. Again, it's the 90s, 90s and they're yeah, like, oh, yeah. we thought this this was a guy. It's not a guy. So this is, big this is like, a, it's a magic trick. You know, so this is, it's like they had a two-headed person in town. Yeah. Uh, so shortly thereafter, at a Christmas Eve party, Tina was confronted by her, you know, the two dudes in her group, Lauder and uh, Neeson. Lauder, who had previously dated Tisdale, was especially enraged by the fact that Tina was biologically female. So he's basically mad, like um, um you t- a girl took my girl. It's that kind of thing in his oh, mind, yeah. you know. So he's all mad, and men I thought don't like that, and don't like that. Yeah. Um. 
Uh, Lauder and Neeson forced Tina into a car, drove him to a remote area in Humboldt, physically restrained him, and raped him. The, the, the people in his group. The two dudes that he befriended, I guess, when he got there yeah. and when he met Lena, Lena Tisdale. Wow. That was his little group. And I just want to make it clear how disgusting that is, is that not that it's okay. It's terrible to rape somebody in, in general. It's, a, it's one of the most terrible things you could do to a person. But they didn't rape Brandon because they were sexually attracted to him. Yeah. They raped him to be like, oh, you want to steal my girl? Well, guess what? You're a, you're a girl. Yeah, like, I don't care what you think yeah. you are. You're a girl. Yeah. So remember that. that. It was like to put him in his place. Yeah. And that's, that's something sick. They're, they're, that's like beyond sick. Yeah. It was nothing to do with attraction or, or anything like that. Not that that would make it better. It's jealousy. But it was, it was jealousy and it was, it was like, you, you can't, you're not a man. Yeah. I can still treat you like a, the woman that you are to me. It, that was the sole purpose of doing that. Yeah. And they both did that to Brandon. That's some 90 shit. Yeah. I mean, that is not, but it's not though. That I don't know. I'm not in the LGBT community, but I wouldn't be surprised. It probably is a 2020 thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. So I don't want to say, you know, we've, that's, oh man, that's so in the past. I'm not, I because wasn't saying people, that. There's people, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's people hanging from trees in, in, in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, and you just go, the, the the coroners are saying it's a suicide and black people in California are like, no, they, this was a lynching. Yeah. We, we know it was. And I don't still don't know the results of that, but you, you know, it's so easy to go, man, lynching and people hanging from trees. That's like 200 years ago. No, but it, I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. So I don't want to, you know, yeah. Um, it, this happened in 1991, but maybe something like this happened in in 2015, 20, I don't know. And we just don't know the story. This what month was this? This is a month. I think it says September. Oh, after I was born, dang. Yeah. September, yeah, 1991. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, they so they raped Brandon down in some, you know, remote part of the woods. Mm -hmm. And uh, afterwards, they drove back to Neeson's house, threatening to kill Tina if he reported the incident. Tina snuck out of a, so they drove, they went back to the guy, like with, with All him. together, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Tina snuck out of a bathroom window and went to Tisdale's house. Tisdale promptly called an ambulance. The girlfriend. Yeah, the girlfriend. Yeah. Tina arrived at Falls City Hospital emergency room where a rape kit was conducted and filed a police report. Unfortunately, the victimization report, uh, the victim, the victimization report turned into an interrogation when Sheriff Charles Locks blamed Tina for his sexual assault and made inappropriate comments about his identity. What? Yeah, so almost like, you know, well, I guess you aren't a man, or, you know, I guess you're a woman after all. Just like little comments like that that were gross, or yeah. and blaming him, like, well, maybe if you didn't make such a spectacle of yourself, they wouldn't have raped you. How could you say that with somebody that need help? I don't, that is, I, I don't know. I think that, again, I think that this goes back to the, how people feel about the Trump rolling back the, um, the discrimination protections because you know i would assume a doctor's oath is to help anybody but if a doctor goes well do you think that maybe you got sexually assaulted because you're a trans person yeah maybe you shouldn't do that and then you wouldn't be in the hospital right now but anyway here's here's the help that you need you know nobody should be made to feel judged or uncomfortable yeah. even even at the doctor's office <laughs> exactly and we're just two dudes who don't even won't even experience this yeah. issue talking about it and being like that's not cool 
So imagine being the person that's going through it, yeah. you know? So uh, I learned a lot during this story. Uh, anyway, so um, this is this is interesting. Tina's, so that 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 detective, that sheriff, Charles uh, Locks, made the whole process, you know, uncomfortable, and yeah. it was, was rude and, and really demeaning. And Tina's mother, who also refused to accept him for who he was, later filed a lawsuit against Richardson County and that sheriff for their negligent treatment and was awarded nearly $100,000 in 2001. Mm. So his mother, who he moved away from, had issues with, was like, that's not okay to treat my child like that. I'm suing and got $100,000 in about 10 years after this year. But, okay. So what did they do with the money? Split it? Oh, let me get to that. Okay, cool. Uh, Locks subsequently interviewed Neeson and Lauder about the assault, but did not arrest them. After being questioned by the police, the two were furious that Tina had reported the incident and sought revenge. Mm. On December 31st, 1993, Lauder and Neeson went to where Tina was staying. The duo shot and killed Tina at point blank range and then stabbed him. They also murdered the two other adults in the household, Lisa Lambert and Philip Devine. Mm who was dating Lena Tisdale's sister at the time. All of this was done in front of Lambert's eight-month-old son. Neeson and Lauder were both arrested and charged the same day. They were found guilty of murder. Neeson received life in prison for ex- in exchange for his testimony against Lauder, and Lauder received the death penalty. Damn. However, in 2015, Nebraska abolished the death penalty, thus giving Lauder a life sentence. So I'm guessing he, didn't want to, he was the shooter. Yeah, or okay. it was his idea, or yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't find the testimony to where they allowed um, Neeson to, to put it all on Lauder. It yeah. said they both stabbed and shot. Um, so he Brandon, stayed down. Brandon. Oh, God, man. Yeah, man, that's a lot to. Yeah, but again, he was in a, living a life of forging checks, getting by. However, he, he might not have had the means to just go somewhere yeah, else. True. You know, so that's a whole. That's a whole thing. Imagine being somebody who survived sexual assault, but you don't have enough money to get a, get a fresh start. Yeah. So you got to still see your assailant because it was your uncle or your dad or some friend in a group, you know, or y'all go to the same college. And it's like, I can't I can't afford to change colleges. Yeah. But that person raped me. I just have to suck it up and yeah. just keep, you know what I mean? It's just dark shit, man. Uh, Tina's story. So. So, yeah. So, like I said, they will both they will both spend the rest of their lives in prison. Tina's story has been retold in numerous publications and media media offerings, including the 1998 documentary, The Brandon Tina Story, and and the very first online Guggenheim art project. The most well-known depiction of his life, and this is is funny enough, because I love movies, and this is a movie I've always been familiar with. It's just not what I thought it was at all. So the most well-known depiction of his life was in the 1999 biopic Boys Don't Cry, starring Hilary Swank as Tina and Chloe Sevigny as Tisdale, both whom received Academy Awards nominations for their work. Swank went on to win Best Actress in a leading role in in the year 2000. Now, I thought Boys Don't Cry, again, I've never seen it. I thought it was like She's the Man, where I don't know if you've seen that, but that's a movie where Amanda Bynes uh, wants to play soccer, and but her but her brother or her brother gets hurt or something, so she has to go to a school and pretend to be her brother because they're twins. Oh, yeah. Like Juana Man? Like I thought, I thought Boys Don't Cry was like Joanna Man, okay. where it's like, oh, I'm pretending to be a boy, yeah. or I'm pretending to be a girl, but except Hillary Swank's pretending to be a boy. Opposite, yeah. I'm pretending to be the opposite sex. Watch the hilarity ensue when really it is, 
if it's based on this story that I just told you, that's an incredibly dark movie. Mm. But I thought it was like a like a rom com. Yeah. So I'll have I'll have to watch that because. Like I said, I'm always familiar, I'm, I've always been familiar with that movie, but I just thought it was like a silly comedy movie. So that's shocking to me. Anyway, like I said, Hilary Swank uh, won an Academy Award in 2000 for the, her portrayal in the film. And the film and its related story has brought attention to the epidemic of violence against trans people, with Tina thus receiving an outpouring of support and acceptance that he never experienced in life. So I want to say rest in peace to Brandon Tina and any yeah. other trans people that have been lost to violence and for just being who you are. Uh, that's not okay. I don't agree with, you know, Donald Trump's decision to roll back those protections. I would also love to hear from anybody who is a trans person or has trans relatives about what this really means. Cause I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I just want, I, like, I know black women have said they've experienced, uh, uh, discrimination in medical offices people saying oh you're faking you're being dramatic and things like that and mm. i'm like is are we saying are we saying that is what this was protecting from or something more sinister like get out of the hospital we yeah. don't serve trans people here you know what i mean i don't know so i'd love to know more just in general i'd love to know more i'd love to receive a score on how i did on explaining intersex i don't i just learned it so you know again i want this platform to be a platform that eradicates ignorance so I would love to know how to have this conversation. And that's all I got. Um, that was my friend of murder. What about the money? Oh, the money went to the mom. Oh, Brandon Tina was dead. He died in 1993. Oh, okay, and then yeah. the mom came and sued and got $100,000, even though she never supported Brandon. Wow. Never, you know, made him feel like he was, he could be his authentic yeah. self. But money talks. And she, somebody, some lawyer probably after the Hillary Swank movie came out and everything was famous and everybody was having this wave of support for Brandon. Somebody was like, you know, you could sue that. You could sue that cop and that station. And she, and she was like, oh, for, oh, yeah, cool. And, you know, I'm sure she probably, you know, maybe she had a, maybe she had, a, you know, um, a change of heart well, in her child's in her child's death. Well, where she's like, I do now I do accept people for who they are. Well, if she did that in the beginning. This probably wouldn't happen. That part, that part right there. Damn, man. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's France turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, guys, it's my turn uh, to talk about a favorite, my favorite murder this week. So my story is pretty, pretty well known. Um, this happened not too long ago, so everybody knows the story. But I wanted to do the story because still be based on the times that we're in right now. I figured it was necessary. Uh huh. And um, I wanted to do this just in case it was some, everybody heard this story, uh-huh. but hopefully I can, when I'm talking about it, people know, people hear some details that they didn't know about the story and about this person. Okay. Um, so my affirmative murder this week is about the story of Dylan Roof. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So let's go. Um, so Roof was born in Columbia, South Carolina to Franklin Bennett Roof, a carpenter and a construction contractor. And Amelia Amy Cowles, who was a bartender. His parents had divorced, but were temporarily reconciled at the time of his birth. When Ruth was five, his father married Paige Mann in November 1999. Okay. They divorced after 10 years of marriage. Ruth has two siblings, an older half-sister and a younger half-sister, Morgan Ruth. Bennett Ruth was allegedly verbally and physically abusive toward Mann. The family mostly lived in South Carolina, from about 2005 to 2008, 
they temporarily moved to Florida Keys. There is no information about Ruth attending local schools um, in that area. Okay. So according to 2009 affidavit filed for man's divorce, Ruth exhibited obsessive compulsive behavior as he grew up, obsessing over germs and insisting on having his hair cut in a certain style. Mm. If you know the story, you know who I'm talking about. You know what the his bowl, haircut looks like. The bowl cut. Yes. The bowl ski. Yeah. Uh, when he was in middle school, he exhibited um, an interested um, in smoking marijuana, mm. having once been caught spending money on it. In nine years, Ruth attended at least seven schools in two South Carolina counties. That's, that's a red flag. Yes. Including White Knoll, High, White Knoll High School in Lexington, in which he repeated the ninth grade, finishing... Finishing it in another school. Mm. He apparently stopped attending classes in 2010 and according to his family, dropped out of school and spent the time alternating between playing video games and taking drugs. Mm. Um, he took a drug su- uh, such as um, Suboxone. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what Suboxone is? Yeah, I know. It's, it's funny. It's interesting. Um, so I went from a more, like I did two years of high school, like a more urban high school and then I went to like a suburban high school. Yeah. Um, and I never saw more drugs than when I went to Survivor High School. Mm-hmm. I saw a kid do crush up and do a line of Suboxone in really? science class. Wow. And basically, Suboxone is, is it basically is like to wean you off of heroin. It's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a, I think for me, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I think it's like pill, it's like pill methadone. Yeah, well, it's, it's supposed to help fight off. Uh, Opioid at least. Op- opioid exactly. At, but it's still, it'll at get least. you, yeah, it'll yeah, get yeah. you high though. Yeah, yeah, no. But it's like a, it's a less of a high. It's like doing like a nicotine patch. Mm. There's a little bit of nicotine in a nicotine patch, but it's less than you would get from doing a cigarette. So I'm guessing it's like a cheap, easy drug to get? No, no, it's it, a medically, it's, it's, you have it's to get a it. doctor. Oh. Oh, it's okay. like, it's like for people who are trying to kick the habit. Oh. So it's, you have to get it from a doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. But you can also just buy it off the, sh- yeah, you could buy it. You could just like, you could buy Percocets on the street. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. That was the that was the first time I've ever seen somebody do a line of something with wow. Suboxone. I in, never heard in, of it until just now. In class, savage, real oh. savage. He screeched like a pterodactyl if he did it. Is that dude still alive? Or? Yeah, he's actually clean now. Shout out to him. I'm oh, not gonna okay, say his cool. name, but he's actually clean now. He's got oh, a kid bet. and everything like that. Yeah, that's dope. Mine's good to hear. Okay, uh, so he was on the rolls of local um, evangelical Lutheran congregation, but it was un- it was it was unclear um, if he had recently attended. So prior to the attack, Ruth was living. Um, in Bennett's and Cal's home in downtown Columbia and Hopkins, respectively, but was mostly raised by his stepmother, mom, which mm. was his old, was his dad's old right. wife. For several weeks re- uh, preceding the attack, Ruth had also been occasionally living in the home of an old friend from middle school um, and their mom and two brothers and a girlfriend. Okay. So he allegedly spent his time using drugs and getting drunk. He had been working as a landscaper um with his father, but quit the job prior to the shooting. Mm. So his maternal uncle, Carson Cowles, said that he expressed concern about the social withdrawal of his ninth, of his then 19-year-old nephew because he still didn't have a job, he didn't have a driver's license, um, or anything like that that you would have at that age. And he's just smoking dope, playing video games yeah. all day. All he did was stay in his room all the time, mm-hmm. all day. So Cowles said that he tried to mentor Ruth, but was rejected, and they drifted apart. So this dude, this guy saw something tried. in this kid. Was like something's not right. Yeah, he needs some I guidance. Try to step up. And He's like, he "Fuck did. you." Yep. Mm-hmm. So according to Man, Ruth cut off all um, contact with her after the divorce from his father. Mm. And when his sister planned to be married, he did not respond to her invitation to the event. Mm. 
Another red flag. Yep. So a former high school class high school classmate said that despite Ruth's racist comments, mm. some of his friends were black. Oh, that one. Yep. Doing that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, so Ruth had prior police record consisting of two arrests, both made in months preceding the attack. He was investigated on one occasion during a period without, but without arrest or charge. On March 2nd, 2015, he was questioned about a February 28th accident in the Columbia Center in Columbia, in which he entered the mall wearing all black clothes, clothing and asked employees unsettling questions. Oh. Probably some racist shit. Another red flag. Yeah. Or even even creepier than that, like, you know, so what time do you guys get off? Yeah. Do you guys know where all the exits are here? Yeah, yeah. You know, shit like that where you're like, wait, what? Yeah. So during the questioning, authorities found a bottle of what was later admitted to be Suboxone, mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah. So I just I just hadn't hit the definition of what Suboxone was. I right. didn't know you had that that on experience. Hand, with it. Yeah. Um. So Roof was arrested for a misdemeanor charge of drug possession, and he was later subsequently banned from the Columbia Center for a year. Another red flag. Yep. So on March thirty first, um, sorry, on March thirteenth, twenty fifteen, Roof was investigated for loitering in his parked car near a park in downtown Columbia. He had been res- recognized by an off-duty police officer who investigated his March 2nd questioning. Mm-hmm. The officer then called his colleague to investigate. A police officer conducted a search of his vehicle and found a, fi- a, um, uh, a firearm grip for an AR-15, which is a semi-automatic rifle, and six unloaded magazines, mm. all compatible um, for holding 40 rounds. When asked about it, Roof informed the, f- the officer that he wanted to purchase an AR-15 but did not have enough money to do so. Okay. He was not charged, and and as it was not illegal in South Carolina to possess a firearm grip. So on April 26, 2015. Ruth, so just, just to really just clarify what you just said. Yeah. He was parked in front of a, like a park where kids play. Yep. With a bunch of guns in his car. With a. He or had, unloaded magazines. He had a, a grip for AR-15. Uh-huh. And then he had six unloaded magazines. And that he, could hold 40 rounds. And they go, what are you doing here? And they go, just hanging out. Um, Why do you have all these magazines? Well, I want to buy an assault rifle, <laughs> but I don't have the money. I don't have the money to buy one. And they were like, all right, well, have a good day. Maybe maybe go down the road a bit. People are a little uncomfortable, so just go and get out of here. Have a yeah. good day. Well, it wasn't illegal for him to have it. But it, I guess. So they can't, you, <laughs> they can't do anything. So it's like. It's like none, none, of a, the, none of these things he's yeah. done so far have been illegal, but yeah. they're definitely weird. Yeah. Like he doesn't have the actual gun. He just right. has pieces to the gun. And a bunch of magazines. And a bunch of magazines. There had no bullets in them. That can hold 40 rounds, but... You should just be able to put somebody like that on the list. Just, something. like, keep an eye on Something. Uh, so, on April 26, 2015, Roof was arrested again for trespassing on the, on the Columbia Center Mall's grounds in violation of the ban. The ban was extended for uh, three additional years. He, so wanted to, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to shoot that mall up. Think so? I think he wanted to shoot that mall. He was up. just planning. He was like, and he got and he got banned from the mall. Yeah, can't he miss him. With the it out. Yeah, he was scouting it out. Yeah, he wanted to shoot that mall up. Yep. Uh, so according to James Comey, speaking in July 2015, Roof's March um, arrest was his first written as a felony. Now this was this was kind of weird here. So they written that up as a felony, mm-hmm. which would have required an, at the when he went to the mall again. Yeah. Uh. I think this was the first, hold on, wait. The second March. time, right? This, this is when they found him in the, um, 
In the park? The, the parking lot. Because it says it's March. It's a March arrest. Okay. March arrest was the first written as a felony, uh-huh. which would have required an inquiry into the charge during a fire a firearms background examination. Yes. It was legally a misdemeanor. It was legally a misdemeanor charge and was incorrectly written as a felony. At so first. so he so he got it adjusted and and so he had a reason to when he went to go buy the gun he goes no they wrote that wrong it wasn't a felony it was a misdemeanor is that what you're saying I no I so I'm guessing if you have a felony you're not supposed to be able to buy a weapon right but what happened is it was a mistake so they changed the felony to a misdemeanor so I think that gave him he, the ability to buy the a gun the ability again. to buy a gun yeah so they were saying that it was incorrectly written as a felony at first due to the the uh, data entry error made by a jail clerk. Um, I don't know jail clerk's job, but it doesn't seem like a hard job to me to put shit in the computer. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, we're not going to. Despite, <laughs> despite this, Roof would, Roof, Roof would not have been able to illegally purchase firearm under the law that barred unlawful unlawful users or of or addicted to any controlled substances, mm-hmm. such as suboxone, yes. from owning firearms. So, the Emanuel African Methodist... Um, I'm going to just call it the, what is it? The A, the E-A-M-E church. E-A-M-E. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to. Yeah, you know, those church, those black churches got yeah. all kind of Epis- <laughs> Episcopal, yeah. First Luther. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So E-A-M-E. Yep. Um, On the evening of June 17th, 2015, mm-hmm. a mass shooting took place in the church in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. During a routine Bible study at the church, a white man about 21 years old, mm-hmm. later identified as Ruth, Walked into an all-black church that day and evening, that day or evening. Mm-hmm. Um, he walked in that church. For what I saw, the videos, they welcomed him with open arms. Yeah, he prayed with them. You know how black people are. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say, you're not, this, this is God's black. house. You're not supposed to be here. This is God's house. Yeah. This is God's house. No matter what color you are, mm-hmm. they accept him with open arms. And once the church, the church goes. He prayed with them, bro. Once the church goers closed their eyes for their final prey, he opened fire with a handgun. So this guy, I don't know if you guys have seen the video, but he walked in there. Mm-hmm. The video I saw, he walked in, he checked himself, made sure his little package in his, which was odd. Mm-hmm. Somebody walked in there with just a, a it's not, it wasn't even a fanny pack. It was just like a big ass bag hanging yeah. from, in his front. Walked in there, checked himself, walked in, sat there for 15 minutes. He said he, he thought about it, didn't want to go through it at first. Because people were so nice to him. Yeah. Which was like, what? Um, so yeah, he they they closed their eyes for his final for their final prayer, for the final prayer, and then he opened fire with the handgun, killing nine people. The video I saw, he thought he was like, it wasn't even nine people in that church. Right. And he was like, No, you killed nine people. He was like, I thought I killed five. And it was like, it was like a joke to him. It was yeah. like, What? I, I killed yeah. nine. You it guys, like it was you that guys many. are playing. It wasn't even that many. No way. Yeah. Um callous. Just yep. didn't give a sh- yeah. So Ruth was unemployed at the time and living in a largely African American East Over at the time of the attack. And I want to play a clip from Mrs. Polly Shepherd, who was a lady um that was in the church that mm. he that he left alive. So I'm gonna play that clip right now. Left alive. Before leaving the Bible study room, the shooter stopped right in front of Polly Shepherd, who was hiding under a table. When he got to me, he could hear me praying, and he said, shut up. Did I shoot you yet? And I said, no. And he said, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave you here to tell a story. Were you ready to die? I, I, I was ready. 
I said, oh, well, if this is the way I'm supposed to go, this is the way I'll go. Nine of the people. Wow. Imagine how terrifying that is when you accept the fact where you're like, you know, this is made, this may be my end. Yeah. But he goes, I'm going to let you live. I'm going to let you live so you can tell people tell what happened. Story. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's so that was Yeah, so that was Miss, um, that Polly. was Miss Polly Shepard. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, okay, just lost my place here. Okay, so um, so according to a childhood friend, Ruth went on a rant about shooting. He went on a rant about the shooting of Trayvon Martin and mm. the 2015 Baltimore protests that sparked by the death of Freddie Gray mm. while Gray was in police custody. He also often claimed that blacks were taking over the world. Mm. Ruth reported, reportedly told friends and neighbors of his plans to kill people including a plot to attack the College of Charleston, but his claims were not taken seriously. Mm. One image from his Facebook page showed him wearing a jacket decorated with two obsolete flags used as emblems among um, Americans and white supremacist movements. Those of, um, it's called Rhodesian, which is now um, like Zimbabwe. Okay. They changed the name. And um, this term, it was, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find a pronunciation for it. Well, it's called a, a, a apartheid. It was apartheid era. Apartheid. That, apartheid. Was, that was what happened with South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Up, yep, about the Serac in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. About it's just a, a policy of um, segregation. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was Jim Crow. It was Af- South African Jim Crow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It was actually, it was actually, it was actually harsher than that. It was like, no, I was gonna say because it, it's illegal to. It was illegal to have interracial kids. Yeah. Which that was like the case here. So it was pretty much South African Jim Crow. Yeah. Um, so another online photo showed Ruth sitting on the hood of his car um, with an orna- ornament, ornamental license plate with a Confederate flag on it. Mm. According to his roommate, Ruth expressed his support of racial segregation in the United States and had intended to start a, a civil war. Mm. I mean, you hang around people say shit like that. It's like, what does it say about you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, he just. He's just drunk. He's he's kidding. Like, uh, it's just some stuff I can't do that with. Some yeah. stuff I can't just be like, oh man, he just got a couple of white claws in him. And it's like, I'm just saying, man, what is genocide? Like, black people, they don't need to be alive. They're taking over. It's like, oh man, he's good with that. Whenever he gets that that bourbon in him, he starts talking like that. It's, he's whatever. Nah, nah, fuck that. You need to go put him on a list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one of his friends, who briefly hit, so he had a couple. Friends he was staying with, they hit his gun. I guess when he was talking all this shit, he bought a gun. Oh, that'll fix it. And they hit his gun, but what happened is them tried to hide his gun. These his friends was already on probation and they couldn't be caught with a gun. gun. So yeah. they had to give it back to him and say, you know. So they they tried to play it. They tried to help my guess. Um so this is a They should have tried to help the world yeah. <laughs> by calling the police. Yeah, so this is a clip from his friend explaining, you know. He just said that he was going to hurt a bunch of people at the University of Charleston, and he stopped talking about it. And I said, and I think he thought it went over my head that I didn't catch it. And I was like, what would you say? Why do you want to hurt those people in Charleston? Like, what's your grudge against them? And he never said anything about it. He just stopped talking about it. And This is a black person. He just said in seven days, they all got seven days, and that was on last week, Wednesday. And then Wednesday coming, he shot all these people in the church. And I don't even think the church was his primary target. Because he went, he told us he was going for the school, but I think he couldn't get into that school because of the security and all that. He never said it. I've never heard that. Not once did I hear him say it. And we've been drunk plenty of nights. 
um, we've been so drunk that he's passed out on, on the side of his car and we had to take him in the house. And not once in, that, in any of that did he say anything racist. Not once. Like, we all took his gun from him. We took his gun and we took it in the house and put it in the air vent. But because of me and Joey's records, we both were not allowed to be around firearms. So his girlfriend was just like, y'all got records. I don't think Dylan's gonna do nothing, just give him his gun back. So we gave him his gun back. I just know that for, that his mom had took the gun from him and somehow, I don't know if he went back and took it from her, she gave it back to him. I have no idea about that. But he got the gun back and he came over here and then that's when all of us seen the gun for the first time. My opinion about Dylan doesn't change. My feelings about him doesn't change. I still love him as a friend. Okay. So that was his friend mm -hmm. who was a black person. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to sit here and tell me that you've been friends with this guy for this long and then none of this came none up. None of this came up. But I don't you know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. It's one of those kind of things where I think that, um, especially coming from a town like that, being black in a town like that, there's a lot of stuff that you just um, pass off as cultural, mm. like the Confederate flag. Uh, maybe even some slightly racist stuff where you just go, I don't know, it's the South. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you go, you can go, well, we're friends. I know he has a big-ass Confederate flag on his wall, but he's not racist to me. Yeah. That's just the South. Yeah. Maybe that's what this young man was, That that's, that's his life, where he's just like, yeah, I got some friends that might say some crazy things or whatever, or make jokes. They make little jokes to me or whatever, yeah. but it's just the South, man. It just is what it is. Nah, man. I don't know how he, how you can have, uh, you know, a, accounts of people saying that he's made these statements about black people and 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 Freddie Gray and, and all these kind never. of things, but not around him. <laughs> he 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 strategically chose to not say those things around him. I guess is yeah. what is what he's saying. I wasn't at that party. Only when he's around all white people when he gets, really gets into his bag yeah. and is like that's how he feels. That's, where, that's, that's how, how he really feels. feels. Yeah. He's putting on a facade for you. Yeah. So maybe your feelings towards him should change because yeah. they those the person that you know is a is a facade. Yeah. That's how he that's how he acted because you were there. Yeah. Yep. So on the day he was captured, which is June eighteenth, twenty fifteen, Ruth confessed it confessed to committing the Charleston attack. Twenty eighteen. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. With the attack, intentions of starting a race war, mm -hmm. and reportedly told investigators he almost did not go through with his mission because members of the church study group had been so nice to him. So federal prosecutors said on August 2016 that Ruth was self-radicalized um, online instead of adopting his white supremacist ideology through his personal associations and experience with white supremacist groups and individuals of others mm. or others. Yeah. So on June 20th, 2015, a website that he had been registered to a Dylan Roof on February 9th, 2015, um, was was discovered that the website was I didn't go on this website because when I see shit like this is like I don't even want to yeah. I don't want my information popping up on, on this <laughs> website. Uh, it's called the last Rhodesian dot com. Mm. Um, though the identity the identity of the domain's owner was intentionally masked mm -hmm. the day after it was registered. That's where they meet up and talk about doing some fucked up racist shit. Yep. Mm. Law enforcement officials confirmed Roof was the owner. The site included a catch of photos of Ruth posing with a handgun and a Confederate flag, mm -hmm. as well as other, as well as with widely recognized neo-Nazi code numbers eighty-eight and nineteen forty-eight, which is like abbreviation for like Hitler or mm. shit like that. 
um, that he had written in the sand. Ruth was also seen spitting on a burning American flag, which I just don't even understand. He's like, what is your principles now? I thought <laughs> I thought you love America and you want us to get out or I don't I don't get it, man. Maybe that's a Confederate thing where it's like, no, we want it to be Confederate America. We we don't we don't like this American flag. We but that is the complete opposite of what happened though, right? What do you mean? Okay, so if if you if you fly into both of the flags, it's like you one for the other. It's like it's one or the other. I would think, yeah. Yeah. It's all, you know what? It's all stupid. <laughs> it's all stupid. It's all really stupid. You really, at the end of the day, I don't know how you could be waving the Confederate flag and the American flag. That's what I, like, at least Dylan is being true to one. Yeah. He's like, fuck this flag. Yeah. But most of the time, uh, the, the people that are waving that Confederate flag are saying, I'm the most prideful American person. Yep. But it's like, no, you're, you're not because you're waving the flag of somebody that waged war against America. Yep. I don't know. I get it, man. Well, Dylan's doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, he's the loyal one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so while some um, photographs seem to show Ruth at home in his room, others were taking on an apparent tour of a slavery-related historical site in North and South America, mm, South Carolina, including um, Sullivan's Island, the largest slave um, disembarkment port in North America. He went on these tours? He went on these tours taking pictures so by to, himself. To laugh at put him. On, put on his little timer yeah. and run and take whatever. Um, so four, four former plantations, two cemeteries, which was one for the Confederate soldiers and the other one was for slaves, mm-hmm. and the Museum and Liberty of a Confederate History in Greensville. Ruth is believed to have taken self-portraits using a timer, and his, and his visits were not remembered by any of the staff that worked on these sites. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me of when I went to Myrtle Beach, at some point, you, whatever role we was on, you see this big, I mean, this Big ass Confederate flag. I was like, wow. Oh, I was like, oh hell no. Like, like the city, like, like the city lets it wave. Yes, like it's that like big. A big, like it should have been American flag there. If anything, yeah, it was a big Confederate. I was like, oh shit. I let was you like, know where you at. I like this is wild. Let you know where you at, man. That that big though is crazy to me. You got to know. Got to make sure you see. <laughs> um. So the website also contained an unsigned two hundred and forty two thousand two thousand four hundred forty four word manifesto. Mm. Apparently. Arthur by Ruth, in which he outlined his opinions. All um, should let that dude who whose clip you play read that. Yeah, I yeah, hope yeah, he yeah. read it. Yeah, so um, you can see how he really feels. Yep, all his opinions and whatnot broken into the following sections of blacks, Jews, Hispanics, East Asians, and Damn. patriotism. Everybody. Yep, I have no choice. I am not the police. I am not the police to alone go into the ghetto and fight. These are his words. Um, I chose Charleston because it. It is the most historic city in my state. And at one time, he had the highest ratio of blacks to whites in the country. We have no skinheads, no real KKK, no one doing anything but talking on the Internet. Well, someone has to have the bravery to take it to the real world. And I guess it has to be me. Oh, wow. Yep. So he's just saying, I'm about that life. Yeah. And all these other skinheads and Nazis and shit, soft, not really about it commenting on Instagram posts and shit like that. I'm yeah. going to really put my money where my mouth yeah. is. Like, I'm you know how, what level of crazy racism that is to be like, oh, y'all are soft racist. Y'all so- <laughs> I'm racist racist. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm about this. Yeah, yeah. that's nuts. Uh, so the manifesto states that his that its author was truly awakened by coverage of the shooting of Trayvon Martin. Wow. Yep. I read... Um, Think about how many people, like how many Dylan Roofs are out there, though. Yeah. 
that maybe it's not a that's what I thought think about how many Dylan Roofs are have badges yeah you know what I mean the way he said that I'm not a police officer so I can't it doesn't take much to do you could there's people who could feel this way and go become a police officer yeah and it's people who really see that Trayvon Martin situation as good for him yeah you know what I mean yeah well I'm about to read so um he says I read the wiki Wikipedia article and right away I was un I was unable to understand what the big deal was it was obvious that Zimmerman was in the right. Wow. Yep. But more importantly, this prompted me to to type in the words that black on white crime into Google. And I have never been the same since that day. The first website I came was the Council of Con Conservative Citizens. Um, there was a page upon pages of these brutal black on white murders. I was in disbelief. At this moment, I realized that something was very wrong how could the news be blowing up the Trayvon Martin case while hundreds of these black on white murders got ignored? Oh yeah. So just real quick though, <laughs> cause I just want to, I don't, whatever he's talking about. Yeah. Um, cause I was talking to somebody the other day about this where, cause there are some people who say, uh, yeah, stand your ground, George Zimmerman, whatever. I want to make it perfectly clear. Mm -hmm. Trayvon Martin went to the store was walking down the street. George Zimmerman thought he looked suspicious. George Zimmerman is just a person. He's not a cop. Not a cop. I don't even think he's like neighborhood security. He's just like a guy in the neighborhood who wants to be security. Yeah. He calls the police. He says, there's a kid walking around the neighborhood. He looks suspicious. There have been some break-ins recently. Um, you know, uh, can we get the police here? What, okay. is that story? what does that story sound like? What does it sound like? Yeah. That exact, we had break-ins in the area. Oh, it's, it's Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah. For sure. Um, the police go, okay, cool. Are you following him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll stop doing that. Yeah. And we'll send somebody out. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He continues to follow Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin notices that there's a there's somebody following a 17-year-old, however old this kid is, 15, 17-year-old kid, following him. So he squares the fuck up, pulls his pants up, and he's like, yo, what the fuck are you doing following me? Yeah. A scuffle ensues. Trayvon Martin, a teenager, beats the dog shit out of a man who is stalking a child. Mm -hmm. And because this man decided to follow him when the police told him not to, and because he was getting the shit beat out of him by a teenager, he pulled his gun like a coward and shot this young man. That's what happened in the Trayvon Martin situation. This man was not a police officer. He's not a security guard. Trayvon Martin was not in a house. Yeah. None of these things happened. He was getting the shit beat out of him because he was not minding his fucking business. Yeah. So where's the stand your ground for the person who's being stalked by somebody and defends themselves very effectively? Yeah. And he's yep. murdered. Yep. You know. So whatever the fuck he's talking about, white on black or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't. That that has nothing to do with what happened to Trayvon Martin, and I don't even know that statistic, but I'm sure it's very much can be refuted as like robberies and things. It's just. You rob people who have money. Yeah. And if black people don't have money and they rob people that do have or they think they have money and black yeah. people think white people have money. You know, yeah. what I mean? it's, it's it's not a we're not like rising up to, to attack white America. Yeah. But there's people who see it that way. There's yeah. people who really see it like like yeah. black people are they're just hungry and hankering to kill some white people. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we got to do it first. Yep. And I have genuine concerns, man, because Dylan Roof is not he's so typical. There's nothing special about Dylan Roof. No. That means there could be thousands of Dylan Roofs. Except that he went on with his attack. 
that's the only thing that makes him different than the person who's on uh, Xbox calling me a nigga. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's the only thing that makes separates Dylan Roof from that kid on that Xbox is that he just had one day decided to go do something. Yep. So. Um, <sighs> so the manifesto also mentioned the Northwest Front, a Seattle-based white supremacist organization. According to a web server logos, Roof website was last modified at 4.44 p.m. on June 17, 2015, when Roof noted, um, he said that at the time of the writing, I am in a great hurry. So in the, the early morning before the, that was the day, right? June uh, 17th? Yeah. So it was like early, like he woke up early that day. Yeah. Wow. No, this is 4.44 p.m. Oh, p.m. Oh, okay. PM. Oh, so, yeah, I, okay, got um, it. The shooting didn't take place until, yeah, it was later that day. Yeah. Was so he was... Basically, that was his last word. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Here we go. Um, yeah, so he said he was in a great hurry. So according to the court documents filed on August 2016, Roof drafted two other manifestos, one in 2015 and the other in jail, recovered from his vehicle and jail cell, respectively. He also made a list of churches and a selection of victims along with other writings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he had this thing all, all planned, planned out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Roof personally purchased the gun used in the shooting from a retail gun store in West Columbia using money given to him on his birthday. Wow. Yep. The Washington Post. I wonder how much money he got. Cause, it, cause guns is a couple hundred dollars though, right? Yeah. Like at least $300. I don't know. Good birthday, man. <laughs> I had a good birthday once. I bought an Xbox. Yeah. You know, so we see where his Different, head's at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Washington Post reported on July 10th, 2015, the FBI director James Comey, said that Roof was able to purchase the gun used in an attack only because of the lapses of the FBI's background check system. So, just slipped through uh, the yep, cracks. slipped through the cracks, and people slip through the cracks every day. Yep. So, on August 30th, 2019, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the survivors and families of the deceased can sue the federal government. One week prior to the shooting, two of his friends tried to hide the gun. That's what the uh-huh. guy said. He tried uh-huh. to hide the gun, but they couldn't. Um, so FBI analysts of Roof's seized um, cell phone and computer found that he was in online communication with white supremacists, mm-hmm. according to an unnamed officials, although Roof's contact did not appear to have encouraged the massacre. The investigation was said to have widened um, to also include other persons of interest. So and yet they they want to talk about that. This he is a lone wolf and he was self radicalized yeah. and all this type of shit. He's talking to people who are putting these ideas into his head and, and fueling the fire and all these kind of things yeah. like that. So this wasn't some lone wolf thing. This yeah. was an organized attack. Yeah, but they also tried to say that the people that he was talking to wasn't pushing him to do this. How do they? How, how do they know? If that? you don't, if you if, <laughs> if you say I'm thinking about shooting a church up, and you say anything other than Nah, man, don't do that. If you say like, Well, you know, they deserve it, or you know, Yeah, I hate black people. If you if you give any fuel to it, yeah, you're contributing to that person. If you don't report it. You're contributing. Yeah. Regardless of if you're literally pushing him or telling him what kind of gun to use or anything like that, if you're doing anything other than reporting him, you are contributing to the murder of people. Yep. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. That you even have an outlet to be able to talk to somebody about these things and they're like, yeah, man, right on. Yeah. So when I um, so when I re- was reading this, the, the part that stood out to me was like, it didn't give a lot of information, but it was just like, you know how they read stuff. They got it. Sometimes it has a section off or uh-huh. whatever. And this one was like the reaction by white supremacists. So white supremacists. Mm-hmm. And I think of that a lot when you hear about when it's um, a white person, a white cop kills a black person, or just in general white person because a black person is like, yeah. I wonder how 
these white supremacists or whatever react to that. Like, I want to know if they like right on. Yeah, this, that's what I mean. Like, I, I just I want to see it as to how they react to it. Like, are they happy? Well, you saw how Dylan Roof felt about Trayvon Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like fuck yeah, no, one less. Yep, one less of them. Um, people so, said that there's people doing the George Floyd challenge, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You know how sick you got to be to even find any kind of funny in that. Yeah. Uh, so although the council of Conservative Citizens took down the, its website on June 20th in the immediate wake of the negative publicity. Its president, Earl Holt, stated that the organization was hardly responsible for Ruth's actions. The organization also issued a statement saying that Ruth had some legitimate grievances against black people and that the group website accurately and honestly reports black on white violent crime. Now listen, I'm not saying everything he did was all right, <laughs> but he had some points. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Harold Covington, the founder of Northwest Front, also condemned Ruth's actions, but called the attack a preview of the coming attractions. Who said this? Um, Harold Covington, the founder of the Northwest Front. Is that some kind of some white supremacist, white supremacist organization? Group? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Through analysts of his manifesto, the Southern Poverty Law Center alleged that Ruth was a reader and a com- a comment a commenter on the Daily Stormer, which is. Uh, a white nationalist news website, which is wild to me. Um, its editor, Andrew Anglin, said that Ruth's crime and publicly disavowed violence while endorsing many of Ruth's views. He claimed that while he would have sympathy with a white man shooting criminals, killing innocent innocents, including elderly women, was completely an in, was a completely insane act. So this guy that writes the newspaper for this website was mm-hmm. just like, oh. Uh, I, I understand sympathy, but what he did is yeah, like, he, it, he wasn't, it, it wasn't cool. Now, if you go what? down to the ghetto and you see somebody stealing a bag of chips and you shoot them, that's understandable. That's a criminal. But like just regular old Negro people in a church, there's, you, that's wrong. Yep. That's crossing the line. Yep. So the attack was treated as a hate crime by police. Officials from the FBI were called into this, was called into to insist on the investigation and the manhunt. Maybe they should treat all black people that commit crimes like it's a hate crime because, you know, Dylan Roof's alive. Yeah. So. Um, live. What is a hate crime? What does getting it treated like a hate crime do? Nothing. You get a Burger King? Got a, they put a bulletproof vest on. I don't know if they put a, that's what it looked like in a picture. Like they put a, they handcuffed him, put him a bulletproof vest on him, <laughs> and then walked him just as nicely to the, it's like, why is he not beaten up? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. That's crazy. And that's, and that's what the whole outrage is about. Yeah. This dude's out here killing people, and then y'all just like, hey man, it's I okay. Yeah. I guess he didn't resist. Yeah, I guess. Um, he killed not. Uh, <laughs> at 10.44 a.m. on the morning after the attack, Ruth was captured in a traffic stop in Shelby, North Carolina, approximately 245 miles from the shooting scene. Shelby had been the childhood home of Thomas Dixon Jr., the white supremacist author whose Klansman series of books is widely regarded in an inspiring of the resurgence of the KKK in the 20th century. Oh, so he was still getting the shit off, taking little tours of... White yeah, supremacist man. locations and stuff. <laughs> after this is ap- this is where he ran off to. This is the morning after the shooting. Wow, so he was still getting his shit up. Wow. Uh, so a forty-five caliber pistol was found in the car during the arrest, though it was not immediately clear it was the same one used in the attack. Police received a tip a tip off from a driver, Debbie Dills, from, um, who was in North Carolina. She recognized Roof driving his car probably from his haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, Very black, distinct haircut. Yeah, a black Hyundai um, Elantra with South Carolina license plates with three flagged Confederate States of America bumper sticker, um, which was on the U.S. R- Route 74. Recalling security cameras images taken the church 
and distributed it on the media so they already know what he looked like. She later, she later recalled, I got closer and saw the haircut, and I was nervous. I had the worst <laughs> That haircut feeling. makes me nervous, too. Yeah, if, man. If it's on Dylan, if it's on anybody, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a school that's shooter a, haircut. Yes. Uh, so she, said, she said, I had the worst feeling. Is that him or not him? So she called her employer, who con- contacted the local police, and then tailed the suspect's car for 35 miles until she was certain authorities were moving in for an arrest. Shout oh, out to her. White people, man. I'm telling you, when, when, they get a, when they get that, when they spidey senses tingle, they're going to hey, stick man. around. That's what happened with George Zimmerman. Yep. Follow your ass. Oh, he looks like he's up to something. He looks familiar, so I'm going to follow him. Through. Yeah. At work. I, the, I think she was at this work. This was the, one of those times where prejudice worked for the, for the side of good. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> he looks like somebody suspicious, and so I'm going to follow him. And yep. this time, it turned out to be a good thing. Yep. Um. His older half-sister also reported him to the police after seeing his photo on the news. Ruth was arrested, um, and he was interrogated by the agents of, agents of FBI. He stated that he had been traveling to Nashville, Tennessee, when he was arrested in Shelby. Police in Shelby deferred his questioning to the FBI. An identified source said interrogations with Ruth after his arrest determined he had been planning the attack for several for around six months. He researched the AME church and targeted it because its role of the African-American history and he also had a list of other black churches in the back of his car, mm. authorities discovered. Um, they also found lots of uh, ammunition and... Um, they found a lot of ammunition in his car. I mean, right. and not in his car, in his house. Oh, okay. When he went to go search his house and mm. his rooms and shit. Um, so this is a clip of him in an interrogation room. Here we go. Finally decided I had to do it. Somebody had to do something. Because, you know, black people are killing black people every day. So that was his. Oh, that was it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he just... Cool informative, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. It was just his words of saying, you know... Yeah. That, yeah. I had to I, do it. I, I somebody had to, had to do it. Yeah, somebody had to stop these animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, got it. Yeah, that's basically what he was saying. Yeah, got it. Um, So on the evening of June 18, 2015, Ruth waived his um extradition rights... Uh, and was flown to Sheriff Al Cannon Detention Center in North North Charleston. At the jail, he and this was this is crazy. At the jail, his cell block neighbor was Michael Slager. Slager, you remember who Michael Slager was? No. So Michael Slager was the police officer that killed the unarmed black uh, black man. His name was um, uh, Walter Scott. Oh, the guy that ran away. The guy that ran away. He like pulled him over for yeah. like a bad uh, brick light or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was his cell his cellmate. Wow, I'm sure they had a lot to talk about. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, that is that is wild. Um, so, yeah, so it was just. Because that dude's only chance of surviving in prison as a former police officer is to join the Aryan Nation because he killed a black dude on TV. You know what I mean? Oh, so okay. Dylan Roof, probably, he probably, he probably, hey, oh, I saw what you did. I'm going to get you right in with the Brotherhood, and we're going to be safe from all these black people and Mexican people in here. Yeah. Um, so Dylan Roof is probably in there tatted up, swastikas and shit all on his back. And now? Oh, yeah. He well, he, I think he's dead now, right? Is he? Maybe, five maybe, years ago. maybe didn't go through yet. He he is on. Oh, uh, does he have the death penalty? He has death penalty. Oh, okay. I don't know if he. I maybe went through. No, I don't know. definitely I don't not. It's only been through. five. It's yeah, only yeah, been five yeah. years now. Uh, so Slager was charged with murder after the video surfacing him shooting um, Scott from behind while Scott was fleeing, which contradicted Slager's report of the incident. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that race, the race difference led many to believe that the shooting was racially motivated, um, generating a widespread controversy. Um, so yeah, that was. That Michael said, I thought that was wild that he just happened to be at the same prison, at the same prison next and, to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So Dylan Roof is the first person in U.S. history to have faced both a state and federal death penalty at the same time. In September 2015, it was announced that Roof would face capital punishment in his state prosecution. And in May 2016, the U.S. Department of Justice announced that Roof would face capital punishment um, and federal prosecution as well. Mm. So now um, it goes into court stuff. Which I'm not into. Yeah, I don't really if you guys want to go and do that, go ahead because I'm not. Not for him. I'm, I don't. I yeah, don't, not yeah, for him. Yeah. But he did. Um, supposed to get the death penalty. Uh, I guess it's le- the only thing is lethal injection, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you can still you can ask for a firing squad. Maybe I don't know if you can still do really? that. But at a point, you could ask. You could go. I want to go out like this. I don't know if you can still do that though. Yeah, it might just be lethal injection. Yeah, but I did read all the courts, so I'm, I can just summarize it a little bit. Um, so the people that he had working for him in his defense. They was trying to pull out all the cards, Insanity, doing research, yeah. saying is he may have autism, mm. and um, to try to to try to make try to prove the case to make him not competent to stand trial. Right. Um. But he was like, for him, it was like what was weird because he was like, I'm I'm fine. Yeah. No, I just then, don't like black people. Yeah. I'm. Just, I, and then at one point he wanted to he wanted to um defend himself. Because he didn't want he didn't want the news of him maybe being crazy being or, crazy yeah he's like no and taking and taking away from his credibility like yeah. I'm I'm I am crazy I'm the not I'm crazy but you know what I'm trying to say though yeah, yeah I know what you're saying he don't want to take away from his his message his his message yeah yeah and being who he wants to yeah, portray no, himself as no I'm not crazy I believe everything that I believe yeah and I did everything out of a righteousness I'm not crazy yeah 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 I get that he I understand yeah. yeah he just don't want nobody like. Oh, he, he only just did be- that because he was crazy. Yeah, exactly. He He's like, no, he did it. Listen to the <laughs> reason why. Yeah. Go on to this website about the white on black crime thing. Yeah. So that's just summed that up. And then they were saying that the people that he had working for him in his defense were like some of the the nastiest people they have ever met. Because they was trying all kinds of shit. Yeah. Trying to, they was trying to get this man. I mean, that's their job. I understand that. But they was they was trying that, everything. The, the people, I, it's like, I, I understand people got to do their jobs. But when you're like the lawyer for the defense and you're doing shit like, well, your honor, we have some of the toxicology reports from the people who were shot in that church. And a few of them had marijuana in their system. So maybe they shouldn't have been praying while they were high on weed. Yeah. You go, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. So Judge Gerald sentenced Dylan Roof to death by lethal injection. That was... January tenth of twenty seventeen. Mm. Um, so he he ended up getting beat up in twenty sixteen in prison. Shocker. On August fourth, twenty sixteen, Roof was beaten by a fellow inmate while detained in the Charleston County Detention Center. Mm-hmm. Roof, who had suffered hits and bruising to his face and body, was not seriously injured. He was allowed to return to his cell after being um, examined by the jail medical personnel. So he got beat up by this dude named this African American guy, obviously. Whoa, <laughs> by what? By Dwayne Marion Stafford, who was awaiting trial on the charges of first degree assault. And strong arm robbery. Mm. Um, so he just, this guy just, they had two people watching Roof. Yeah. But one of them was on lunch break and one of them, one of them just like wandered mm. off. So that's guy, yeah. that's how he yeah, escaped. Wandered off. Yeah, that's mm. how he escaped yeah. down there mm. and, and beat the shit out of this dude. Yeah. Um, so that dude ended up getting bailed out. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. <laughs> ice Cube bailed him out. Like, man, hey, man, good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Roof did not press charges on him getting beat up. Can you do that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the night after the attack, in 18 months after his initial arrest, Stafford was released on over $100,000 bail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that, was, that was an anonymous yeah. celebrity. I think so, too. Yeah, that was an anonymous celebrity. I think that was, somebody just hit somebody up, and yeah. I know this guy's in there that's in there with him. Yeah. <laughs> Go and do that. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, I got you, bro. 
that story probably never get out, but you know. Yeah, oh, you know that. <laughs> but yeah, that was the story of Dylan Roof. I just, um, some of the stuff I read on this, I didn't know. Yeah, for sure. I just, I knew that it was a hate crime of him, not not like black, but I didn't know it was, it was just so thought much out. thought out yeah. stuff of the white supremacists and all this other stuff. It's like, that Confederate flag is it's coming up more now, and I'm glad things are changing to get that shit out of here. Because mm-hmm. I, see, I see it while I'm at work, mm-hmm. and it's like, why do you... And some people try to be sneaky. They try to put it in their backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And put, they'll put that in the backyard, but put the Trump flag in the, in the front. Yeah, front yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, <laughs> we don't want to turn people off with the, how we really feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a more uh, accepted version yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, So it's like, yeah. I'm glad they getting that fucking flag out of it. It, just, it, shouldn't, it, just, it shouldn't be around. Nobody should be waving it. Um, did you see that video of the lady that fired the guy? Yeah, yeah I that, that was a couple. That's a couple years old. Yeah, my, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's coming it back old. around yeah. though. It, it, that's that's very funny, and I think that's how people should carry it. Again, I don't want to bring up the crab place again, but why why patronize a place that's openly letting you know how they feel? If you if you don't like black people, you don't like Mexican people, you don't like Polish people, you don't like whatever type of person. That's cool, man. Keep it to yeah. your, keep it. It's cool. Keep it to yourself if you want to take my money. But when you go. Oh fucking right! I don't, I don't like these people. Here's the flag I'm flying. I'm flying. Here's yeah. here's how I believe. Fuck gay people. Whatever. It's like you think that gay. Why would gay people continue to give you money? Why yeah. would black people continue to give you money? So if you want to come to my house as an HVAC person, electrician, whatever, refrigerator repair man, and you got a big ass Confederate flag hanging on, I don't want you in front of my house. Yeah. So I don't want anybody getting the wrong message about who lives here. Yeah. So no, thank you. Yeah. I'll call. I'll call. My fridge will just be broke today. <laughs> the, the the funny part was the husband was trying to be nice, but she yes. was like, no. "Oh no, I aggressively don't like that yeah. flag." I, sorry, I like, yeah. just as nice, yeah. polite. I loved it. I love. I love. My it. favorite part was he's like, "I mean, I could take it down." No, 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 no. no. Believe what you want to believe, and we'll just get some. Don't. T- what does that do? <laughs> yeah. You still. You, it's still your flag. Yeah. So keep it up. Be- go go to somebody else who has a Confederate. F- Give, buy, have them pay you money to do something. Yeah. It won't be from me. Sad. And I just think that's how people should carry it in 2020. I don't think we need to be, you know, um, doxing businesses, exposing people, whatever, trying to get them shut down. You can't shut down a place for being racist. Yeah. So people were calling for that crap place to be shut down. It's like, I don't think that's a thing. No. You can't just be like, we are racist, so close it. It's yeah. like, no, just don't go there anymore. Just don't go there. Stop standing in front of the place with signs. Fuck them. Go to another crab place. And that's what the guy said. The black guy was like, us, we did, as us as black people are known for being loud, us going up there, making a, a scene. Mm-hmm. All we had to do was just not go there. Just don't go there. If 75% Now he's in like Time people, Magazine. Yeah. You know? So, now he's, he's in Time Magazine for being racist, whatever. Maybe that helps or maybe it doesn't. But instead of doing all that, just don't go. Just don't go. Just don't go. And take your money, go find... A black-owned business, a brown-owned business, whatever, yep. or just a white person who isn't that. <laughs> yeah, and maybe they hopefully they don't they don't reveal themselves to be racist when you like their food now. Yeah, like, this place makes the best donuts, and then they do some crazy post on Facebook, and now you got to go somewhere else. Yep. So just hope, but you know, if somebody reveals their true character, take it for what it is, man. I'm you know you you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt my feelings by letting me know my money's not welcome. Yeah. Because my, my money spends anywhere. You know, there's plenty of other donut places, crab places mechanics repair people whatever somebody else out there that's not you where i could spend my money yeah so um yeah man that confederate flag thing i um he had a big ass confederate flag doing the back of that truck yeah and it, back and, then yeah and people <laughs> and people mirrored it as, as this um heritage thing of like well my grandfather was again 
What? I already said what I said earlier too. Your grandfather, he lost, bro. Get over it. He blew the he blew the twenty eight to three lead. No, he lost, bro. Yeah. What? Here's my suggestion. Because I see people tearing down these Confederate statues, which I don't know why there's so many of them. I didn't know it was that many of them. These people lost, I was like, bro. What? It's insane. If you, if it's about heritage for you, come up with an agreement for these people. Remove the statue. Go put it in a museum. Yeah. Put the museum on fucking the the street with the um, the um the Smithsonian and the Black History, yeah. all of that. You want to go pay respect to your grandfather who lost? Got good on you, bro. It doesn't need to be in the park. It doesn't need to be in front of the criminal, you know, in front of the fucking mayor's office. They're everywhere. I know. Everywhere, bro. Take the flags, the uniforms, the guns, the statues, make a Confederacy museum. Shit. Don't even put it in DC. Put it in fucking South Carolina yeah. or Arkansas or We're wherever South, y'all yeah. can find and, and hang out at or y'all want to be y'all hub. Go take over South Carolina, whatever part. Put the Confederacy Museum there. Put all the statues in there and y'all can go show love and all this kind of stuff. But I say they won't do that because it's bullshit. It's just a sign of like you this is I don't like I don't like people that aren't white. That's what the Confederate flag means to me. Me too. And I think that's what it means to them. But they can always go, no, no, my grandfather is heritage. It doesn't have I don't believe anything about slavery and all that kind of stuff. My grandfather just lost in this war because he was a loser. So I want to show respect to him. And that's all it's about. It's not about the racist stuff or none of that kind of stuff. Now, I do hate black people but it's just a coincidence <laughs> the flag has nothing to do with that yeah it's just a coincidence but they go oh just because we got the flag don't mean we were racist yeah yeah yeah. Okay. we are racist but the flag doesn't mean that don't bring the flag into yeah. this or you don't have a right to judge me that i'm racist because i have this flag <laughs> but i am racist but yeah, you don't I, have yeah, yeah. You, but how dare you just assume that i mean i am but how dare you make that presumption yeah <laughs> that's that's prejudice now i am racist but this flag is that flag did nothing to you yeah Uh, (laughs) uh, let's get into these good vibes man welcome back guys it's time for good vibes um this is a segment where we get the chance to talk about some good stuff that is going on in the world i know we get a little down with talking about all the fucked up shit that's going on um, throughout the world from past and present. <clears throat> so my good vibe story this week is I'm going to touch again on the Bubba Wallace story, the NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm. So Bubba Wallace is the only black full-time driver at NASCAR highest level. Yes. Now. <laughs> I didn't even know. He's like the Tiger Woods of NASCAR, basically. He's the, at the highest level. Yeah. And I'm saying that because there was a guy that quit racing because they got rid of, they getting rid of the Confederate flag. Who haven't? Who hasn't won any races? Just, Nobody knows who just this guy was there. is. He just was there, just always coming to life. Yeah, what's wrong with him? <laughs> so on Sunday, amid going on national protests over police police brutality brutality, brutality mm-hmm. after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis police custody, Wallace wore a "I Can't Breathe" Black Lives Matter shirt before he raced in Atlanta. On Monday, he appeared on CNN and called for the sport to rid itself of the Confederate flags. Mm. So it was him. Yeah, which have long been a staple of NASCAR telecasts, toted by fans, worn on shirts and hats, and embezzled on RVs and parking lots. Now, I did see a picture. It's like RVs. I guess, I don't know how NASCAR these things work. So yeah. I guess when you go, it's like a couple it's a days. T- it's a tailgate. It's yes, a tailgate. Yeah, always, okay, yeah, 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 big time. And all you see is these big-ass poles with yeah. Confederate flags flying. You're just and getting like, drunk. And, yeah, and, you know. and, and I know for him that makes him super uncomfortable. Sure. That you, you're around, you see all these flags, and these yeah. people probably don't like you. Yeah. 
And I bet that's just a terrible feeling. For sure. Um, so he said that no one should feel uncomfortable when they come to a NASCAR race, Wallace said. So it starts with the Confederate flag. Get get that shit out of here. He didn't say that, but yeah. I'm saying that. Get, get it out of get here. Get it out of here. So shout out to him. He has, I tried to find his sponsor. I couldn't find it. But he has his car blacked out now. Mm-hmm. He has hashtag Black Lives Matter on the side of his car. Yeah. So shout out to him. Oh, that shout first race to, is going to be, oh. Shout out to, yeah, shout out to whoever his sponsors are that allow him to make him do yeah, that. So sure. I thought it was cool. Oh, it's going to be. The first race that he is like built on, where he'll be there, yeah. everybody's gonna have a Confederate shirt on. Yeah. Well, it's and then gonna he's gonna cool. win, and they're gonna look stupid. So let's hope that would be that would be a very powerful moment. Yes, yes. him holding up a, the trophy, getting spray in the, and it's like, boom! That is crazy. That would be wild. It'll be a hell of a um an image. Yeah, I, I hope that happens. Yeah, it'll be yeah, very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yes. Shout out to Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Not Bubba Watts. Nope. Bubba Watts is a golf player. Yes. Bubba Wallace. <laughs> Shout out to Bubba Wallace. Yeah. Uh, my good vibe story this week is about a unlikely civil rights icon in the the this era of um social media mm-hmm. um her name is oh wow uh her name is john her name is Johnica charles that was a tie to really you know black people have an ability even no matter how complicated the name you can kind of piece it together i just need a second it's like john you gotta break it up yeah john equa john equa charles so her, dad, her father name was john like you know maybe mom name maybe. was Janiqua. Janiqua. Uh, Janiqua or something Janiqua, like that. Something, like something that. with Niqua in it. John Iqua. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe wow. just her dad's name was John, and she's like, we're going to make it a girl's name. John Iqua. Yeah. Boom. Wow. Um, How was like, it spelled in the beginning? Like John. Oh. J-O-H-N, okay. and then they took like Niqua. It's John Niqua. They could have put some sauce on it. Yeah. It up to John. Well, you know, shout out to Thomasina, man. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Thomasina. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, I'm going to, while I read, I'm going to let some of that, this beautiful, this 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 civil rights anthem ring out. Okay? You are about to lose Now, Janiqua Charles, who's 27 years old, never intended to write an anti-police brutality uh, protest anthem. In fact... That couldn't have been further from her mind when on a fateful night in January, she was detained after getting in an argument with a security guard outside a nightclub in her small town in South Carolina. In a clip of the encounter that went viral amid protests against police brutality, Charles is seen immediately, I mean, repeatedly asserting her right to know why she's being detained. I don't, this is a quote, I don't want to be detained for no goddamn reason, Charles told the guard who was restraining her. Yeah, that's how the fuck I act. Naturally. Ask anybody who know me. The dispute started when Charles tried to re-enter the club and retrieve her purse before leaving in a car with friends. She explained to the insider, which is where I'm reading from. The club was closing, but Charles said she she wasn't intoxicated, acting disorderly, or trying to go back in to continue partying. She'd simply forgotten to pick up her pocketbook before uh, from behind the DJ booth. That's right, behind the DJ booth. She gets into all the inaccessible places in the club, okay? <laughs> Shout out to John Nequa, okay? She gets to where she she wasn't with the, with the basics. She was behind the DJ booth. That's for one. So she needed to go back behind the DJ booth to get her purse. And uh, Charles and the DJ were together that night, but he was inside packing up his equipment at the time. She said, why are you detaining me? Before the guard, uh, uh, she asked the guard again before adding an incredibly quotable word of warning. You about to lose your job. That's going to be around for a while. Man. That's going to be around for a while, man. It's a hit. Yeah. Uh, the tiff escalated when Charles told the guard to suck her dick, which, oh. you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> That means she's not playing. That means let me the fuck go now. <laughs> uh, causing onlookers and fellow security guards to laugh. That's when another guard started filming the viral moment. Uh, he said, quote, I probably, or she said, quote, I probably shouldn't have said that. 
but legally he still had no right to detain, Charles explained. I guess he felt the need to, you know, show his manhood. So he like threw me up against the car, whatever, like roughed me up a little. He didn't hit me or nothing. He just roughed me up a little. And then he put handcuffs on me. What happened next has become practically overnight the stuff of internet legend. Taking the guard's silence as her cue, Charles spontaneously turned You About to Lose Your Job into an original song and dance. Mm. You About to Lose Your Job, she rapped over an imaginary beat, twerking. Get this dance. You About to Lose Your Job because you are detaining me for nothing. Mm. Uh, Charles says she, she's known for being a goofy person who loves to have a good time. She's always cracking jokes, whether she's on camera or not. She said, I was a little upset, but I was trying not to, I was trying to make light of the situation. Charles told the insider. That's why I started the little chant because it was like, okay, I'm going to do anything so that I, so that I'm going to do anything so that I can get arrested. Because if I do that, then because I have, if I do that, then because I could have easily, what? Because of that, because if I do that, then it's like all broken up because it's like really her words, because I could have easily I'm a healthy girl, like I'm a strong girl. I could have easily wrestled or tussled. Okay, I see what she's saying. She's, you know, just speaking. She's speaking her real words. This isn't written. She's I'm a healthy girl. Like I'm a strong girl. I could have easily wrestled or tussled with him and gave him a little bit of a reason to detain me or lock me up. But I have a little bit more sense than that. When Charles's friend, the DJ, finally exited the club, he was shocked and confused to find her in custody. When the DJ tried to come over, like to try to figure out what was going on, the guard even told him to back up and like go ahead and go on about your business, Charles recounted. I'm like, I am his business. That's my ride. But once the real officer got there, this is the funny part to me. When the security guard told them what happened or what transpired, the cop was like, basically, Take those handcuffs off and let that girl go home. The police officer, Charles, continued, told the guard there was nothing she could be charged with. So I just got in the car and left, she added. And uh, and he's standing there just looking all crazy, talking about the security guard. Yeah. This wasn't even a police officer, this was a security guard. Oh, he was, I thought it was a police officer. No, it was a security guard. I don't know why he had like a bulletproof vest. He looked very... That's what I'm saying. I thought he was a bulletproof vest. very officer. official security guard. <laughs> the security guards I'm familiar with just have like a big shirt on it that says security. Yeah. But he was legit. Uh, knowing her rights and how to conduct herself during encounters with law. I've seen people just doing what she was doing though. And people, the police officers don't like that and they get roughed up, you know, yeah. like don't talk. So it really is. And also this isn't a police officer. This is a security guard. Uh, but yeah, knowing her rights um, helped her handle the encounter and has been essential to Charles's survival as a black woman. Criminalization disproportionately affects the lives of black Americans. And Charles is open about periodically engaging in two highly criminalized activities, drug use and sex work. I can be honest with you, she said. I've been on and off the streets for about six years, ever since I've been 18. I've been on, I've been on and off. I'd say the, uh, this last time, I'd probably say almost nine to ten months. Sometimes it would be alcoholism, then sometimes it would be the drugs. That lifestyle just took over me. So the, prosti- so the prostitution and drugs and the alcohol, I've been in that lifestyle for a long time. Uh... The cyclical nature of poverty and its complex relationship with addiction as, uh, is well documented. At various points, Charles would stop and go home to her family, and then I'll go back, she said, because it's addiction. The mm-hmm. irony of Charles's viral fame is that she didn't know about it until last weekend. 
Several days after the clip initially began trending online, an old acquaintance shared the video with Charles on Facebook uh, from a week ago, but she brushed it off and hadn't paid attention to it since. Mm. When her family was finally able to locate her after days of searching, her sister Andrea filled her in. It's like I've been looking for a breakthrough, she said, looking for, you know, something. And this happened right on time because, yeah, just the day before, I was just out walking the streets. I'm just going to be very blunt with you, she said. And I just so happened to see a car pull up on me. I'm thinking there's somebody trying to stop me, you know, and it's my sister, my aunt and my baby. My sister, my aunt and my baby and my cousin. And they just jumped out of the car. You have to come home. You have to come home. Please, please, please. Like, basically, they kidnapped me. Not kidnapped me, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so they... And now they got family pictures of her. That's her in the background. That's that's Johnniqua in the back. Yeah. You know, so right now she's back with her family. And all I can do is pray that um, her addiction doesn't take hold of her again. You know, I'm sure there will be good days and bad days. Yeah. But... Because that... Does, does, the, her sin is everywhere. Everybody's saying it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that she can find some kind of monetary gain from this and maybe set her up yeah. into a position to get the help that she needs and um, find sobriety well. And maybe an opportunity comes from this that changes her life. It already seems to have changed her life slightly already. Yeah. But we were talking about the guy with, before we um, started recording. We were talking about the man with the golden voice yeah. who was this homeless man who some people pulled up on uh, and, you know, and, and, uh, and, asked him something and he, he his voice was like poetry it was yeah. beautiful and uh all these uh ad companies because of the virality thing they were like oh man we want a piece of this let's get him in a commercial whatever here's 25 grand and he went right back out to his addiction because you can't do it that way you can't just take somebody who's on the streets and has addiction issues and just throw money at them and tell, go do your do your thing now do your yeah. thing for dunkin donuts you know so i hope they handle this differently and i hope they give Johniqua a path to really having a sustainable life-changing uh, revelation. Yeah, but shout out to her. I mean, that shit slaps, man. Yeah. Can we go out to that? Can we go out to that? No problem at all, <laughs> man. Look, man. Listen, I want to let everybody know to continue to be safe out there. Um, it's 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 crazy times, but I think that the strength of America is that at the end of the day, we I think we do have the ability to come together and be one. So keep that in mind whenever you see whatever you see on the news, and know that there's always a possibility for a brighter horizon. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. We'll see you guys next week.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 